there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for the, I actually know the date, it's June 9th, 2014. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not The Last Guardian. What? The Last Guardian. That is not my game of the week. What about it is not your game of the week? What about it is not my game of the week? It's simply well, not my game I, of the week. I, I Every other game is said my game of the week. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just confused this weekend. I was told that The Last Guardian doesn't exist anymore. That's maybe why it's not my game of the week. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, yes, go ahead. Oh, sorry to jump in. Um, well, no, no uh, that, that's exactly where, yeah, so this is now would be, so is there maybe something that would maybe not be your game of the week? I don't know. Uh... Okay, my name is Aaron Vaughn, and my game of the week not. Uh, okay, so I already screwed it up, but my game of the week is not Loadout. Um, why? You can play it on a PS4 right now. Or not if not now, soon. Why wouldn't it be your game of the week, Aaron Vaughn? Um, why, do you, probably, why do you hate free-to-play gaming? I think it is available now, maybe, or this fall or 2015. But I I did try to play it uh, a few days ago, and. After about 30 minutes of uh, trying to enter a match, I quit. So, Loadout has two minutes of accumulated playtime for me, and I don't think I'll go back. Uh, Okay, if you don't... I mean, I don't know where else you're going to meet your gaming needs when it comes to playing characters who have one testicle hanging out of their pants. Because that is... That's one of the only games I can think of that lets you do that, Aaron Vaughn. Oh. Well... You're missing out. (laughs) I might give it a second chance. I actually did. I, I quite. I, I thought they did a uh, loadout. One of the best things you can say about it, and this is a really good thing to be able to say about any free-to-play game, is that the business model is kind of inoffensive, um, and for the most part, it's a decent enough shooter. Uh, so I was I was glad for them when it was announced that they would be on the PS4. Uh, yeah. I think, even if I'm not going to play it there, I got my fill of it on the PC. Sounds like you enjoyed. Well, sounds like you got your fill of it waiting in the lobby. They have a neat little um, animation that plays yeah, when yeah. you're waiting. Someone's running with a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to jump right in to a, a public match. And so I guess if you're listening to this and you're considering playing it on the PlayStation 4, I wouldn't consider jumping into a public match because that's where I found no one was playing. Are there... I forget if there is bot support. Do you know? Oh, yeah, there was. You know what? Yeah. My my fault. I will give Loadout a second chance because I completely ignored the bots. Well, and also, Aaron Vaughn, this is the perfect time because I know you have so little to do over the coming days. You're going to have a lot of free time. You might as well yeah. spend some of it playing Loadout. Yeah. <laughs> I just might. I'll have my computer with me. Uh, the reason that I do know it's June 9th is because that's when E3 starts, and uh, that's the day that we are recording this, of course. Um, it's it's often, every year, it's a, a date that lives in infamy, the beginning of E3 for me. Uh, mm. So uh, we... E-Day. E-Day, very good, Aaron Vaughn. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Three of E-day. them. Uh, actually, four. So it's the Monday where they have all the press conferences, and then there's the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday where the show floor is open. Uh, Aaron Vaughn, you and I were going to uh, sort of divide and conquer. And for various yeah. reasons, I decided, and I've decided this on, on years previously, and I have never once regretted it, but I decided I don't want to go to E3 this year. I don't feel like it. <laughs> so we can, You're going to play uh, Loadout, and you're going to play Watch Dogs. Um, there are a lot of great games out right now that we don't need 
to CE3 for, we can just play those, right? Wildstar as well. I, I've, I'm in the middle of an MMO, Aaron Vaughn. I don't know if you appreciate how time-intensive that can be. Um, um, I've seen them destroy people's lives, but I don't think I appreciate the, uh, the how time-intensive they are. They're very time-intensive, and they don't have to destroy a lot. Aaron Vaughn, it's like using drugs or alcohol. In moderation, it's okay. Just don't go overboard. Uh, uh, so, so well, what I, they're really fun, though. Um, mm, yeah, we don't use that word on this podcast, Aaron Vaughn. Fun? Yeah, yeah. Overboard. It's a dirty word. <laughs> oh. uh, no, no, actually, we can use fun. My, uh, my, part of my, my shtick as a writer is I don't like... I, th- I find the word fun incredibly unhelpful. It's subjective to the point that it means absolutely nothing because it's fun for you. It might not be fun for me. Uh, here you go, Aaron Vaughn. I think it is fun to play hugely um, detailed, meticulous flight simulators where you have to learn the button to press to like raise your landing gear flap. Not just the gear itself, but the flap door, like, or where you have to raise a little lens cover over a laser-guided uh, a Maverick missile, for instance. I find that fun. Not many people would agree with me, so when I try to talk about those games critically, I sort of steer clear of that word. But I'm giving did you, you guff. That, um, did you play that thing on the Xbox the, with the $150 controller? Are you talking about Steel Battalion? Is that what it was called? There was a yeah. mech game. Yeah, you bet yeah. I did, of course. Because then they ported it uh, to Connect. And made it better. <laughs> oh, of course, right. Yes, no, they, that's called destroying it. Speaking of destroying lives, yeah, many of us who really appreciated what they did in Steel Battalion, we were just crushed at it becoming this dopey Connect game. Okay. Um, yeah. So in my notes I have porting is, we're going to refer to that as destroying, and fun uh, doesn't exist. Yeah, porting, it, it, kills, it kills dreams when you adapt something to the Connect, Aaron. Hmm. But, well... Okay. Well, yeah, well, I, I presume you may want to bring up Dance Central. Well, let, let's get into this because I think that today, sometimes E-Day is a terrible thing, but sometimes E-Day can be like V-Day, you know, Victory Day, and there was a kind of a V-Day thing that happened today, and I feel like that is, was, Microsoft has pretty much thrown Connect under a bus. We will not have any more games like Steel Battalion crushed by some dopey Connect support concept, I feel. Uh, the fact that they, you know, they were going to offer the Connect-free version of the Xbox One, um, and I thought maybe they would do some kind of uh, like more lip service to the Connect at the Microsoft press conference. They just pretended the thing didn't exist. They, did, they also pretended that their new bundle doesn't exist. They didn't even mention right. it. It's kind of like they kind of shamefully said, well, okay, we concede. Here, you can have this. And they just want it to go away and pretend that's how it was all along. Uh, so no more uh, – dis- I, I mean, there will be more Connect games, of course, but uh, it's definitely not a feature of uh, – a prominent feature of the Xbox One anymore, I feel, um, which is great news. Now, you were there at the press conference. It was the first one of the day. Yes. Uh, we have either go- – between us, we have either gone to or seen – uh, all of all four of the press conferences today, they were uh, Microsoft, um, EA, Ubisoft, e. uh, and uh, and Sony. Uh, Wait, is it Ubisoft or Ubisoft? Oh, it is Ubisoft. I need to start trying to learn to do that. The reason I need French. to start trying to learn to do that is French, and it stands for ubiquitous. What? Yeah, it, it, it means ubiquitous software. That, was that what explains they, their studio structure, huh? Well, 
Man, I wish I had a rimshot sound effect for you for that one, Aaron. Very good. You should kill. Well, Yakety Sax is always there. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we don't- Dead Rising, at this press event I was at, he described the zombies in Dead Rising as uh, as uh, playmates. Not like playboy playmates. Like 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 buddy. Like oh. friends that you're playing with on a playground as playthings. I think that was the term he used. Mm-hmm. It was translated. Are you sure it wasn't playboy? I'm sure it wasn't because there okay. there are erotic there is erotic photography in the first Dead Rising. But uh, by the way, and I, we keep going on this winding path, but back to Sunset Overdrive. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, well, that's, I just want to, and this will bring you back. It, it definitely made me think of the monsters were like your your playfellows, your these playthings that you were playing with in that demo of Sunset Overdrive. So yeah, yeah. So, sorry. So so take it from there. Right. Um. Oh well, and the the trailer obviously made them look like uh, a very throwaway enemy it made them look like target practice in their their little um acting piece trailer that they had uh i thought that was pretty cool by the way i I don't know the fact that the character's turning to you and going uh this is a video game so you're gonna win and you should have a lot of fun when you do it Um, yeah i don't i there's such a tough line to walk between those being really precious uh it fell on the line for me that i was able to stand it good Uh, but anyways so you you mentioned eroticism just off the cuff but there's a piece of concept art that I think uh, popped up a few days ago for Sunset Overdrive. It has all these characters and these really acrobatic poses um, flying through the air. If you saw any of them, you'd say, oh, yeah, that's Sunset Overdrive because the art and the the posing, it, it, it's very typical of what we've seen. But one of the characters is a girl, and, and she's topless, and she's just got a hoodie on that's wide open. And she has this great athletic body, and it looks really cool. And it's it's strange because there's this nudity there, but... Nobody really seems to care. It doesn't stand out in any way, and it just looks totally normal. It's it's almost like, well, she could just as well be wearing a tank top. I'm pretty impartial to this, uh, so I'm I'm I don't know if that represents the game or not, but I'm actually kind of hoping that there's optional nudity, just because it seems like uh, they're encouraging a freedom of whatever you want. Now, do you know offhand was this a uh, uh, a concept or was this a fan art? This is something that Insomniac this, made. This came from them. Um, Jay Stevenson, I think. Um, actually posted in a forum on uh, NeoGAF that some characters could look like that or because mm-hmm. um, people were, were kind of asking, wait, why is she topless? And I think he said that uh, it wasn't representative of the final game, but that uh, some people could create characters that would echo what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So I will bet you dollars to donuts, Aaron Vaughn, that there will be no nudity when this game comes out, and I, I think it has nothing to do with Insomniac, it has to do is Microsoft, Microsoft's publishing this. It's an Xbox well, yeah. 360 exclusive. Yeah, Microsoft will not let that happen. And I think well, so for but, a couple of reasons, they will not let it happen because they're Microsoft, because there is so much misguided white knighting in in the enthusiast press for video games uh, uh, at this point. I mean, I think the current tone, and I'm I I would love that. I mean, I think. Games, especially these hyper-violent games, they're for adults, and adults can yeah. handle nudity and violence, and you're not necessarily, it, it's not necessarily sexist to have cheesecake in your game, and I, well, I find and that... I think that's so cool, because, like, what's the difference, to, well, to me, I don't know, I, I, I really don't care, and, and when you bring up white knighting, like, that just goes over my head, because I don't see a, a call to arms <laughs> in the way other people do. I, I, you know, when I see this, I just think, oh, that's very French somehow. Like, oh, she's topless, sure, whatever. Sure. Like, guy that right next to her is a topless guy, and and he can be sexy too. So, what's the right. difference, really? If the the difference is equality, then 
yeah, why the, can't they both be sexy? Right. The, the difference is right now, and I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing. I just think there needs to be some more equilibrium. There's a, a strong reaction against portraying women as, as sexual objects in video games, and mm. I think it's an overreaction. It, it's just kind of this uh, the the current mindset. Uh, I think it will swing back at some point. Um, and I, I think that publishers in particular, uh, you know, a developer who has this creative vision of a game, they can and should do whatever they want. But I think too many publishers, especially big ones like Microsoft, are going to be too shy about that at this point. Uh, well, I hope they're not listening. I do too, <laughs> but Microsoft, they're, they're really proud of The Witcher 3, and what do you think is going to be in that? Uh, you know what? The Witcher 3 is, is an interesting beast, isn't it? Because it has carved out almost this kind of permission to have yeah. sexuality but uh, like, like it's kind of though even The Witcher 3 has kind of had to scale back like they had those collectible naked milkmaid cards or whatever those were in the first game and they, they scaled back from that and they just put in these incredibly tasteful and I think well done instances of nudity in The Witcher 2 well, including a matter of having the talent to do it I don't think it has anything to do with their original vision because if you think about it, like anyone playing that on their PC and mm-hmm. and now their PS4 and Xbox, all the consoles that anyone's playing those on, if they want those, uh, if they want those love scenes, then they can just save them for themselves. And then they have this highly detailed, uh, high res, you know, output mm-hmm. of exactly what uh, would be pervy to go back and look at over and over again, just like those cards. I don't think it has so much to do with scaling back. I think it's that they have the talent to do it. Uh, later on when they had their own engine. Well, then why did they... Because I think they specifically left out the collectible cards because there was an objection. I could be wrong about that. But I think they did that in reaction hmm. to people accusing them of being tasteless. Um, oh, maybe. I don't know. I, I had would have... I didn't play the first Witcher, and I didn't have any problem with the concept of it. I mean, Geralt was presumably... I mean, it's like a Conan the Barbarian movie. He's running around having sex with naked uh, chicks all the time. It's such a headache right now. You didn't play the first Witcher... Uh, I can't be bothered. I have no. to wait. I, I wait for the good sequel to You're come out. me. <laughs> I actually, I'm one of the few people who likes the way that game plays because it's so easy to play. It's such a passive game. And all I worry about is the story. In The Witcher? right? Yeah, and it, it looks terrible. And I actually prefer the soundtrack in it uh, over The Witcher 2. I'm a huge fan of The Witcher games. Um, I've, I don't normally replay anything. And I've replayed The Witcher, I think two and a half times, and that's a 50-hour game. Um, and I, I just adore the first game. It's so tough to get into, um, especially since it has such a slow start. But once you do, I feel like the rewards are endless for, for actually playing through it and then playing The Witcher 2. Um, but far be it for me to, to try and convince someone that they should also invest all that time and uh, patience. Well, let's segue then into something else that was showed at the Microsoft press conference. You must have been very excited about uh, that griffin hunting sequence in The, the Witcher 3. Um, so I saw, I was here last year at E3, and I saw a behind-closed-doors thing uh, that CD Projekt Red had. I'm going to see another one tomorrow. And they've been showing stuff off like that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's always fun to see it and to see how it looks now. Um, and honestly, I, I try to avoid stuff. Uh, no thanks to you. Um, one of the few people who have introduced me to the benefits of being on a total media blackout. Uh, mm. But that, that's unavoidable, unavoidable at E3. Um, the Griffin thing was pretty cool. Uh, I did notice a trend, actually. Uh, I saw a few mini-boss fights in each of the conferences that kind of uh, end with a cutscene instead of... Oh, the I hated that. 
I hated that. Did you notice that? Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, the battle's going on. Oh, now the battle's over and I'm watching a cutscene. Like, it's like you did a certain amount of damage. And I don't know if that was just... I wouldn't be surprised if that was just for the presentation, but I thought it was very I, I, conspicuous that he's doing this cool fight, and it seems like there's physical interaction between the Griffin model and where he's standing, and then at some point it looks like its hit points got to a certain area, and then it cuts to a cutscene of him killing it. Yeah, uh, typically in a game like that, when you when the enemy actually dies, they just go ragdoll limp. Yeah. Uh, Which and they, they did that in the Dragon Age thing, too. So here's my thing with Dragon Age, and we'll con- now let's start tying in some of the other uh, press conference things. Oh, yeah, Dragon yeah, Age, there's, uh, there's, you know, EA, obviously that was one of the... Uh, EA did that weird thing where they were showing games... They, they were showing studios rather than games. Like, oh, here yeah. are these people working on this. We don't have a lot of game stuff to show you, but just rest assured, these guys are doing something with Mass Effect. These guys are going to do another racing game. There's going to be helicopters in it. These guys are doing Star Wars. But as far as things that they had a lot of footage to show for, Dragon Age, of course, was one of them. I couldn't help but think, I really have enjoyed my time with the Dragon Age games, even the more middling ones I can appreciate. Um, But that just kind of generic, let's just throw a bunch of like elves and dwarves, and there's orcs, and then there's the demon race you have to hold back, and then you're going to have the romance. That kind of, to me, it's almost becoming this generic Bioware, just throw everything into this big genre stew pot um i I just love so much more the specific focus of the witcher games for instance they're Mm. they have such specificity and such uh unique takes on lore that i watch that dragon age stuff and i'm like okay yeah it's pretty but i've still got witcher 3 on the brain i don't even think it's pretty i think it looks disgusting well it's kind of garish isn't it it just looks flat. Everything looks flat. It looks drab and uninspired. The Witcher is based on a book. The first game is the retelling of a Witcher book, and everything. The Witcher two and three are original creations, um, and so there's there's a series of novels there to actually establish the Witcher. Dragon Age is just a few guys uh, coming up with their typical fantasy lore and building a Bioware game around it. And and isn't this? Um Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Maybe this is Mass Effect I'm mistaking it for, but isn't Dragon Age Inquisition using the Frostbite engine now? Yeah, everything uses Frostbite 3. Brought to you by uh, Frostbite 3. Provided by Frostbite 3. Featuring <laughs> Frostbite 3. Oh, Designed yeah. by Frostbite 3. Uh, is it, isn't that a DICE thing, though? Don't we have the Swedes at DICE to thank for that? I don't know. Yeah, uh, but DICE is just an abbreviation for Frostbite 3, I heard. <laughs> okay. Um, Swedish. I kind of want to backpedal. We are really getting ahead of ourselves, because Microsoft talked about a lot. Um, and at some point, we have to talk about Halo. Mm-hmm. You know. uh, which one is that? Is that the one with the Space Marine? Or is that the one with the, the really beefy guys who fight the monsters that come out of the ground? Or is that the one that, that was World War II, and then it was Modern Warfare, and now they're fighting robots? I lose what if I told you it yes. was all of those? <laughs> so here's my thing about Halo 3, Aaron Vaughn. Um, when they announced their little uh, Halo shovelware package, like, let's give you all the Halos, I kind of thought... Oh, that's good, because I like, and I've recently put in a Halo, uh, my my friend's son was here once, and he'd been playing, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a nine-year-old boy, he'd been playing Halo at a buddy's house, and mm-hmm. he was asking me about it, and I was telling him, and they were just doing some deathmatch, and I was telling him, oh no, you guys should have played Firefight, and he's like, what's that? And I'm like, okay, 
let me show you. So I went in my closet, and I was trying to remember which Halo has the best firefight, and we tried ODST, and then we tried Reach, and I realized, oh, no, the Reach, the firefight in Reach is great. So we did some firefight in Reach, and I reappreciated about a month ago just how awesome that was. So when they announced this Halo shovelware package, my first thought was, I don't need that. But my second thought was, hey, cool, an awesome firefight mode made for the Xbox One. I'm down with that. Wait, but from which game did you say? Yeah. Uh, ODST and Reach, the ones that don't have Master Chief in them, and therefore the ones that are not part of this shovelware package. Hmm. So, I was incredibly disillusioned by the time I realized, wait a minute, these are, they're not giving me the halos that I want, they're just in love with their stupid Master Chief lore, and they're just gonna repackage all of the halos that have a stupid story about Master Chief doing blah blah blah, and then there's a grave mind, and then there's the prophet of regret. And yeah, but how else am I supposed to uh, play another game with Cortana in it? Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point, right? Yeah, um, see her progression up the sexy scale over the course of the halos. Yeah. Oh yeah, that too. You keep disarming me by calling it shovelware, but what do you think of this? Yes. It's 1080p at 60 frames per second. It's like, whatever, okay, fine. Okay. I, you know, uh, I, I you hear stuff like that, and I, I do appreciate that. Bec- like, I, But I, as I, I don't know if you're the same way, Aaron. As I'm playing a game, let's say that it's 720p, and let's mm-hmm. say that sometimes the frame rate slows down, sometimes it drops down to 30 frames a second or whatever. It's almost like watching a movie with subtitles. I adjust to the process and to the limitations of what is being communicated to me. So if I had been playing a super fast game, yeah, when I sit down to play something that's lower res or that has less of a frame rate, I find it annoying. But the more I play that game, the more I adjust to those limitations. And ultimately, the experience isn't impacted Unless it's a huge problem, like a huge mm-hmm. frame rate issue or something, it's not impacted by the difference between, say, 30 frames a second, 60 frames per second. Well, I appreciate that guys who are super into like hyper-competitive, precise multiplayer or playing the crazy hard elite modes on Halo, mm-hmm. that kind of thing might matter to them. Um, so you're telling me that you're not, you're not actually hostile that a developer couldn't um, lock down their technical limitations? I don't even, I'm not even sure I know what that means. <laughs> so not only am I not hostile, I think it's over my head. But it really is for me. It's like watching a movie with subtitles. It's when I recall that movie, I don't remember reading subtitles. Like it, The way it exists in my head is as a complete experience like any other movie once I adjust to the subtitles. And I feel it's the same way with, uh, you know a lot of technical limitations that people cite for games. So the fact that they're porting all these things I, it doesn't really matter that much to me. Huh. So, they're, they're upgrading them. I'm sorry. I just want to clarify. You're telling me it's possible not to be livid that a game isn't 1080p and 60 frames per second? Yeah, only if you're weird like me. The average oh. person, I expect them to take this to the internet with pitchforks and torches. Hmm. Well, what if I told you there were over 100 multiplayer maps? Good lord, who has time for that many? <laughs> I thought, you know, I actually thought this was going to be like $100, by the way. It's only 60 um, and good for them. That's a that's a normal price. Okay. But and okay, so I, I actually like Halo. I like the first game quite a bit. Um, I didn't play the second. The third, I think I was asleep for most of it. And um, Halo Four, uh, I was um, I was blown away, kind of by the uh, what they pulled off on the Xbox 360. So it, it wowed me before uh, I realized what I was playing. So this this actually does appeal to me a little bit. I have a soft spot in my heart for that 
franchise. But I don't think I'll ever play any of that again. Everyone's buying it for the Halo 5 beta, I think. Oh, right, right. Exactly, yeah. Uh, which, I, eh, whatever, I couldn't care less about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, well, I'll see you on the battlefield. Yeah, one of those hundred maps if we happen to be on the same one at the same time. Uh, Halo 1, by the way, does hold up. They, they recently released a, I say recently, two years ago, whatever, uh, a sort of a, ma- a remastered version of the original Halo. Yeah. And I feel that's a, that's a brilliant game. You know, yeah. Halo has some, some design brilliance that is almost timeless. Um, yeah. And I, 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 yeah. it, it's very sandboxy and it, it allows you to be inventive and the levels um, are layered in a way that lets you sort of skip whole passages and they never re- really managed to uh, recapture that stuff. Aaron Vaughn, how would you feel if I told you that I actually liked not liked, loved the library? Um, a lot of people hate the library. Why do you hate me? Why do you... <laughs> wait, do you... Look in the mirror and yell at yourself in the morning. I was actually hired. I forget who did this. I was hired. I think it's a, uh, a place that's no longer around to write an article about why I thought the library was a brilliant bit of design. It's just horde mode before it was invented. Partly, yeah. Very good. You know what? That you, thanks. I could have written that, and I wouldn't have had yeah, the same word count. But yeah, <laughs> saved you. Um, how much were you paid for that? I got five percent. That's luckily, probably five percent of what you wrote. I was not paid by the word, so luckily, yeah. You know, I could tweet that. Yeah, I could have reduced the whole thing to a tweet, huh? Uh, all right, go ahead. Can we what? Can we get paid for tweets yet? I don't. Some yeah, people... I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to monetize that stuff, Aaron. I'm afraid. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess back to Microsoft. Um, Phantom I, Dust. I'm excited about. I, that's. Uh, I don't know that there's enough of. I don't know who you would. I, I guess it depends on what they think makes Phantom Dust worth updating or like making it or remaking or making a sequel to or whatever. I think it's a remake. And what does Phantom Dust mean? Oh gosh, Eek. yeah. I didn't know there was going to be lore questions on the test, Aaron. Well, I mean, um, why do I care? Oh, it is a uh, a very flexible mix-and-match spell combat game, mm-hmm. uh, almost like a collectible card game where you play head-to-head with someone else, but there's a very action-y component, and you set up spells. Um, there's, a, there's a long history of this kind of game going back to... Oh, dadgummit. What is, I think you're a little too young to know this, but Julian Gollop, <gasps> it's some fighting wizards game where you pick different spells. What was that called? I want to say like Chaos War or something, and it must have been on like the I don't know the Amiga Twelve. Or I don't know those old computers, but it's it's a game where you had a wizard and you would pick spells and you would play them on this turn-based field. Um, and anyway, Phantom Dust is I think it came out with the original Xbox is the action-based um, version of that kind of gameplay. Huh. It, it looks like the thing is called Chaos Battle of Wizards, and they're trying to kickstart something. To oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, Julian Gollop is, uh, uh, yeah, like a Chaos Reborn, or what is that called? Yeah, that's yeah, it. exactly, that's the same kind of thing that Phantom Dust was. Hmm, I, I know that Phantom Dust has a cult following, and uh, I, I, I'm really terrible about this, especially on Netflix, but I'll look at a box art, and that will determine whether or not I, <laughs> I dive in, um, and the box art for Phantom Dust always put me off, it looked like some cheesy uh, sure. piece yeah. of shovelware. Absolutely, I don't, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, Maybe that's, I'll check it out when they that, remake it. And that's part of why it probably has a cult following, is it didn't get marketed very well. 
Uh, I mean, how did you feel about uh, harmonics being trotted out there like a jilted lover, uh, making this kind of sad appearance? Did they know they were on stage? I, I, did they think it was a rehearsal, right? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't even know what was happening. I am. Um, okay, so... Uh, Okay, I have I, I have to confess something. So I, I actually had a notepad with me. Um, you'll notice there's a past tense there. I had notes for Microsoft's conference and EA's conference, and at some point in the day, I left it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now I've lost all my notes. Okay. Um, I, I took no notes for Sony's thing, and uh, took no notes for Ubisoft's thing in memoriam uh, of my lost notepad. Um, I'm sorry to hear about that. So, anyways, I was scribbling something down, and then I looked up, and all of a sudden. I saw Dance Central 3 uh, plastered everywhere, and I, I started writing down Dance Central 3, and then they started talking about harmonics doing Fantasia. So I scribbled out Fantasia. I, th- I was, oh, that's stupid. Of course they're talking about Dance Central to introduce harmonics. And then I looked back up, and no, they're talking about Dance Central again, something called Spotlight. <laughs> so I had to, I was writing Dance Central down again, right above where I scribbled it out, and I'm scribbling up Fantasia because I forgot that... They're still going to talk about that. Um, so I was going back and forth, so maybe it's my fault that I wasn't paying attention. No, no, it, it did feel like this obligatory thing. Like, well, you've got to get up there and say... I mean, they can't be happy about it. Connect is no longer a viable uh, concern on the Xbox, and that is going to hurt a game like Dance Central. If, if Harmonix is wanting to make a game based on you buying new music every week, mm-hmm. Microsoft just undercut them by making sure that... F- copies of the Xbox One that are sold from now on, nobody can play uh, Dance Central on them. Um, so they can't be happy about that. And yeah. especially, well, by the way, contrast this to the crazily ebullient presentation that Just Dance got at the Ubisoft uh, press uh, conference. Those guys, I mean, Harmonix is somewhere they've got to just be crying into their beer tonight. Okay, I just feel so awful for those guys. Full disclosure, I worked on a Dance Central game once, uh, and I don't like dance games, but I can't stand Just Dance. I don't think it has anything to do with the franchise loyalty. I don't get Just Dance. It goes over my head. It seems... Well, yeah. I don't think it's for you or I, Aaron. Uh, I don't know who it's for, because I I even... um, Well, it's for millions of people, because it's doing... I think it's a big cash cow for for Ubisoft. The last one had something called Just Dance TV, which records you in your place. And this is like an extension of it, this this thing where they're telling you that you're going to dance to someone's 12-year-old child uh, out in Missouri. Um... This seems like an extension of that, where instead of just watching it, now you can actually imitate what they did uh, when they recorded their session. I don't know. It looks weird. Uh-huh. Um, but back to harmonics, what's happening with them? <laughs> they, they were really mad about that Connects thing, by the way. There were some tweets that came out from, I think, John Drake, and um, he's their PR guy, uh-huh. and a couple other people that, that simply said, Oh, great. Uh, as soon as Microsoft announced that they were kind of done with the Kinect, so they didn't tell anyone about that. No, they've got to be scrambling over there, and uh, yeah, that's that's. The uh, whole business model is something that's based on a peripheral yep. gameplay. Well, yeah, and I think that's been their mo for a, a very long time now, uh, isn't? Hasn't it with the plastic instruments and whatnot? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Except for amplitude, I guess. Was right. that them? I forget. Uh, yeah, I want to say yeah. I'm going to say guess. yes, but in case I'm wrong, I'm going to say I'm only saying yes because you told me that. Oh, I'm only saying yes because <laughs> they kickstarted a remake. Oh, right, right. Of course, that's why it's still a going concern. I think because there is yeah. a there's a Kickstarter. Yeah, right. And then they fired a bunch of people. 
Um, Armand well, is just doing too much talk in the C3 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about some uh, Fable Legends. Speaking of too much talking, a lot of times the Fable games with Peter Molyneux as their front man previously, mm-hmm. he's been accused of too much talking. Uh, a lot of promises made. This Fable game seems curiously unambitious. Um, what do you mean? Well, you can't make these big, complex moral choices. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like there's towns or a crazy mm-hmm. story mode or you're not going to inherit a kingdom. And as near as I can tell, Aaron Vaughn, and I hope I'm wrong, you can't even train a dog in this one. You don't even get a dog sidekick. It looks Maybe like you can just, train a dragon. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would, I would I take am? that, but I don't think... I don't think it looks like you just get your dude, and you do these little standalone adventures, and if you want, someone can play the villain, which is kind of like an RTS mode, and they can drop obstacles in front of you. And I'm, by the way, I'm totally down with that, but I don't, it doesn't seem like a, it just seems like Fable has had all the ambition sapped out of it. What's going on with their gameplay? I was confused by who was playing, I, it looked like one person was playing, and this same thing happened with Dragon Age. I thought I was just watching a really poorly edited <laughs> um, gameplay session, but and then I couldn't tell if it was just one person hopping between the characters. The characters all have their own dialogue, but it, it right, sounds right. a little bit like they did a, a lot of um, they took a lot of metadata about how players talk to each other when they're in a multiplayer game, and then tried to um, advertise. Like they 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 tried to dress it up a little bit to make it sound like it fit in the game, but it was natural enough that you'd feel like you're playing with your friends if you're alone. And so I was lost. Were they playing with other people? The impression I got from Fable Legends is it was a co-op thing, but I, I could be wrong about that. I, I see that it is. it does have online co-op, but I don't well, know. Well, certainly, if you want someone to be the villain, and, and this reminds me of, uh, one of one of my favorite multiplayer games on any platform, is a Wii U game called Zombie U, where... When you just play Zombie you normally it's just a zombie survival game, and you're running around and you're shooting zombies. But when you play multiplayer, one person is on the TV running around shooting zombies, but the other person has the, the gamepad, the Wii U's gamepad, and he has complete uh, top-down view of the battlefield and complete knowledge. Mm-hmm. And he's dropping zombies, and he's using his own resources. He's basically playing an RTS to lay siege to the player while the player tries to survive. So that was what the Fable Legends presentation reminded me of, uh, and mm-hmm. I find that potentially very exciting. This idea that some of us are playing a co-op action RPG, but then one of us is the overlord, and there are a few other games that have tried something similar, but none with these kind of production values. And then one of us is the overlord, presumably using resources to put down traps and monsters and, and stuff. Huh. So even though it's not what I kind of expect from a standard Peter Molyneux-driven Halo game, or Halo, uh, uh, Fable game, it did Mm -hmm. look kind of exciting. Um, Well, it it does fall back in line with the trend that I pointed out earlier. Very animated, very colorful. Yes, uh, yes. Very character-based. Yes. uh, But not for children, because, of course, there is is farting in in Legend. uh, In Legend, in Fable, whatever it's called. There is is farting in in Fable. It's a game that... Uh, does that sometimes. And no, you can't do that as a child until you're, I think it's 18. Is that the age oh. that you should be? Yeah. Microsoft showed a, a little Call of Duty game. What'd you think of that? Um, I know some people there. I have to say that too. Uh, but I think it looks interesting. Um, only maybe it's the aesthetics again that are throwing me. Because uh-huh. uh, they had the reveal trailer a little bit ago and they had a lot of Kevin Spacey in it. And this had 
a shot of Kevin Spacey in a follow-up to their demo. Right. Um, I, I was kind of proud of them for not having to lean on him um, for that. I'm, I, I think someone rattled off that they thought he might be there. Um, this, this isn't <laughs> really, I'm just talking about someone on an internet forum saying, Kevin Spacey might walk out on stage. What do you think of that? Right. Um, I'm glad he wasn't there uh, with that said. And honestly, I think that the dialogue came through for me. That that might sound stupid, but I usually dialogue. tune out. There was dialogue. Well, yeah. Okay, so I usually tune out in a lot of games, um, especially Call of Duty. I don't care what's happening, but in this case, um, I, I don't know. Like the, I think the voice acting is better. Maybe that's what I'm saying. Um, I felt like they had better characterization, and that kind of opened me up to looking for that in the rest of the trailers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Their vision of the world looks neat, but I also think Final Fantasy 15 looks neat. So. I don't know what that. Okay, I don't. So you mentioned before uh, this idea of not watching trailers for games, uh, not wanting to be exposed to stuff about games. Call of Duty for me, because it is so often uh, just, and I don't mean just to denigrate it or to reduce it, but here I'll put it this way. Call of Duty is so often primarily a cinematic experience, at least when you're talking about the single player, um, mm-hmm. that I feel like, you know what, I don't need to see any of the set pieces. Don't show me these these sequences. I don't want to see your submarine level. Yeah. I don't want to see your city level. I'll play it, and I will enjoy it, and I would much rather discover it in the course of playing it, and these demos do nothing for me, because it's stuff that I've seen a thousand times before, and I don't want to watch someone else play it, so if I'm not the one playing it, it's just going to bounce off of me completely. So I yeah. think there's really no way to sell me a Call of Duty game uh, other than just letting me know that it's happening, and then I will jump into it and, and give it a shot. And and like as not, I for the most part, I'm kind of an apologist for the Call of Duties. I, I think their model for approaching them is sound, alternating studios. Uh, mm-hmm. They put enough content in a package where there's a single-player campaign, and there's usually some kind of uh, horde or co-op mode, and then there's the usual crazy leveling time sync multiplayer. So yeah. I don't need a Call of Duty marketed to me. I did not need to see that, that trailer with the drone bees or whatever they were in the city. None of that matters to me. I'll play it. I'm looking forward to it. I don't need to see the Kevin Spacey scenes. You know, I'll watch them in yeah. the game. Um, well, what, what kind of... I, what makes me uncomfortable is seeing that, that drone stuff and just thinking, um, oh, it's a thing you're, you're never going to interact with. You do, uh, didn't... Right, but didn't you... Uh, it it, it kind of reminded me of the... Uh, were they the Krill? What were those things in Gears of War? There's like the little oh, space... Run away forever? Well, they... Oh, wait. You, they, they surround you and eat you if you don't stand in the light. Yeah. It, uh, it basically is just an environmental hazard. So they, they kind of, that's kind of what I thought was going on there. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it visually, it, it's appealing in a way that Call of Duty hasn't been in a while. Um, they have a bunch of guys. That, so I think the two guys who did Dead Space are heading this one. Um, oh. And so I think they're, they're shooting for a stronger campaign, mm-hmm. um, which is funny to me because the this real team is making Battlefield Hardline, who are, like, it's, this time it's personal, 2014. Battlefield and Call of Duty are both uh, team divided once together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, one studio all together are now uh, coming in head-to-head. So, I don't know. Something about that makes me feel like they both want strong campaigns, they both want strong multiplayer, but well, EA showed a lot of multiplayer, and... Um, Sledgehammer Activision showed a lot of uh, campaign stuff, so 
So I actually I came away from Battlefield Hardline, and I could be wrong about this. Does that even have any sort of single player mode? Yeah, it does. It oh, does. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I had no. And maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention, but I had no awareness of that after the presentations. Uh, yeah, it, they um in their leaked trailers. Uh, okay. Their their single player thing is supposed to play out like a TV show. So you play a mission that's, that is set up like an episode of a series. Okay. What do you think of that? Uh, I think I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think you'll be able to help yourself. You won't really have a chance. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so you didn't lose your notes. I have mine here. Here's something mm-hmm. I wrote in my notes that for the life of me, when I was going back over my notes, I was like, what the heck is that? I'm going to throw a word at you, Aaron Vaughn. You don't have your notes either. I want to see if Uh-oh. you could... I did figure it out eventually, but I want to see if you could puzzle out why I wrote this word in my notes. You ready? Okay. Scale-bound. I'm like, what? Why did I write uh, scale-bound? What the heck is that? Oh, uh, jeez. You had to pick one that I can't pronounce. Scale-bound. Oh, Platinum Games thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, see, oh, that's what I didn't put in my notes. That it was Platinum. That's the reason to care. Because all I could remember, and I wrote down eventually, trying to think, what was scale-bound? I went, oh, yeah. And I wrote down okay. uh, Giant Monsters. So I don't have my notes on me, but I'll tell you what I wrote down underneath Scalebound. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote Sunset Overdrive plus Monster Hunter. I, you know, the Monster Hunter vibe is there, but I don't know if the Monster Hunter structure is there. This oh, idea, I have no idea, yeah. but that's what I got from the trailer. Yeah, 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 it definitely looked like that. Oh, oh I see in the Sunset Overdrive the kind of ir- cartoony irreverence of the main character. Yes, well, very good. He goes on, like, I think, some Beats headphones or something to listen to some techno music. He's going to yeah. fight some dragons. Yeah. He's got his own powers. What's happening? Yeah, exactly. And it's platinum. Of, I trust them. It, you know, that's exactly how I feel. Right. Even if I don't like a platinum game, I'm glad it exists. Uh, yeah. And I hope others like it. Like, I didn't like their... Uh, it had some terrible title. They had something where you're fighting a bunch of robots. Dadgummit. What was that platinum uh, one? Mm. It, it was the most generic... Either a generic or completely un... Like, scale-bound. A name I couldn't remember. I want to oh, say something uh, like the... Vanquish. Vanquish. Yeah. I was going to say version, but I knew no. Yeah, I was thinking like the vanishing. It was the V. Yeah, so Vanquish. I didn't care for it, but I wanted other people to like it so that because yeah. I just want to support Platinum. Yeah. Yeah. What about um? Did you play Mad World? Wait, Anarchy Reigns. I didn't touch that one. That was Platinum. I'm not even sure. Yeah. I remember what that is. Yeah, I know, right? It it, it puff of smoke. Um. Yeah. Hey, Threes is coming to the Xbox One. What is? Threes. Um, uh, threes like a, numbers. It's a smartphone game. Yeah. Haven't you heard? You haven't heard of it. It's a smartphone game. What? Do you have a smartphone? I, is it the same as an iPad? I don't know. They bothered to talk about it. <laughs> Wait, they mentioned it. I must have been writing oh, yeah. or something. They, it was in. The, I think in their. It was funny too because I think it was in their indie thing. They had a sizzle reel that was showing. Um, a oh, lot it must of have been that math tablet. one. Was it the math one where there's a bunch of numbers in a tile? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've never played it. Uh, apparently, it has highly addictive qualities. Uh, and, and I'm sure that it's going to take full advantage of the power of the cloud and whatever graphics mm-hmm. capabilities that the Xbox One has. Yeah. Okay, so uh, finally, uh, how'd you feel about the Crackdown reveal? I don't care. <gasps> yeah. It sounds like you said you didn't care. Oh, I'm sorry. I, um, <laughs> I, I, I mispronounced it. I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, I fair enough, um, but the thing that struck me, the last crackdown was uh, middlingly okay at times and terrible at times and, and awesome. And that's at- why I don't care, by the way. I, I really enjoyed the first right. one. 
Okay, well, this one, it looked to me like what they're getting at and is that you can collapse every single one of the skyscrapers in the game. Um, that's, that's, that was the implication. That sounds promising, and that's what the trailer is implying, but to okay. be fair, Battlefield is implying that you can put a uh, crane through any building. No, well, okay. So Battlefield, we know from experience that this, and there's a name for this, Aaron Vaughn, and the name is Levolution. Uh, and Levolution stuff is, it mm-hmm. means you can trash a lot of things, but there's going to be one scripted trashable thing uh, okay. or that, that is going to be a huge part of the map. It doesn't mean that every skyscraper can come down. It just means that you can trash the normal buildings um, and that there can be some big spectacular thing. But what okay. I got from this crackdown reveal is that I could destroy every single skyscraper. So there was no scripted. Yep. There's a game called Earth Defense Force 2017. I know, um, and it's it's a it's like the budget version of Destructible Terrain. Sure. Okay. So, have you ever leveled a city in Earth Defense Force 2017? Well, no, because why would I? I mean, it just seems like a. Is well, there an achievement for that? Because you can. Is there? Yeah, but is there an achievement? Wait, hold on. I just <laughs> need to double check. Are you telling me I wasted 20 minutes of my life tearing down? <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to. Is there anywhere on the internet that you, there's proof that you did this, Aaron Vaughn? There's not. Well, no. But is, is there a high score you can show me? Most buildings leveled. Yeah, I know. See the futility of it all. That's why you got to play games that really understand achievements and stuff. Those Earth Defense Force games, I respect what they're trying to do, but they just don't do it as well as they should. Okay, but my point is, right? You can tear down the whole city. Yeah, Earth Defense yes. Force, and then all you're left with is nothing. You're left with a flat plane. That is a and good so point, right. How, what it, happens in Crackdown 3 when I break the city? Does it stay that way? It better. Um, okay, so then uh, I have a giant football field <laughs> to run around in? Well, like, what do I climb? Sure, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you do have a point. Okay, here's what happens. Here's Let's say that I'm in charge of Crackdown 3, and I'm going to make mm-hmm. this game, and I'm going to make every skyscraper destructible. Uh, mm-hmm. When you uh, leave the line of sight of a building, the reconstruction gnomes come up out mm-hmm. of the earth, and they rebuild the skyscraper. I and wouldn't I'm, mind seeing a time-lapse reconstruction, but I'll bet it's DLC. Oh, uh, like over time it gets rebuilt, yeah. Well, that is, so, uh, did you play, uh, what was the, um, grid, Gorillas of Mars? No, dadgummit, Red, For- Red Faction Gorilla. Yeah, okay. uh, And they, they kind of had that issue, but they would let you, if you wanted to trash everything, you know what, they would rebuild things, though, I seem to recall. Certain things yeah. you would go away, and then when it reloaded that section of the world, I think it would be rebuilt. Um, it is more fun to have them there to break again, but what level of persistence do they like well and also you know a skyline is a huge thing like there have been a couple of games that have played very effectively uh, and I think maybe was it the first crackdown but certainly Saints Row some games have played very effectively with this idea of something so crazy happens that it alters the skyline permanently and that's got this weird sort of 9-11 resonance for, in, a, mm-hmm. in a way but that's kind of important yeah when a skyscraper comes down that's a big thing it's not like you can surreptitiously in Red Faction Guerrilla just rebuild a military barracks nobody's going to care about that yeah. Um, well, maybe it's uh, landmarks that you can destroy. Yeah. Well, at any rate, I'm happy to see them plugging away with a crackdown because there were some things in the second one I really liked, and it's uh, you know I always think more open world games is always better. Yeah. Uh, well, then you must love Project Spark, huh? 
Is that I don't even know what that is. That's basically it's, it's, saying I think it's an open world uh, game maker. My first uh, game creator. Yeah, not the same as a as an open world game. Uh, it, it's it's like an open world with game without the game. It sounds like uh, you yeah, know. I saw the little big. video. Well, it looked like some little big planet game construction. Th- thing. Yeah, that's what it's been. Yeah, um, I want no part of that. Mm, it was uh, really heavily featured as a Kinect thing. I think. I think. <laughs> Someone's well, gonna write a comment. Well, if they got this far, they're gonna all right. Aaron's No, no connects. Um, but I think they were using voice commands and somehow hand like you could mold things. I'm now I'm totally off the cuff. But I feel like last year, Project Spark was was really wrapped into the Connect, uh, and now it's not. Now it's just a game creator right. and Conker's in it, huh? What about that? Yeah, he's Remember had Con- his bad Con- fur Con- days. I do. Yeah, I, I don't. Can he still cuss? Well, it sounds like he's about to be in another bad fur day. Okay. Well, that'll be very exciting for Conquer fans. Yeah. What if they subtitle it Project Spark Bad Fur Day? And it is created with Project Spark? Like, there is a tie-in, right? Because that's when they mentioned it. I, I really don't know what's going on there. That's a lot like when they said the Last of Us characters are coming to Diablo 3. I know, right? <laughs> that's <laughs> obvious. Just shaking hands behind our backs. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about EA sports games? Do we need to talk about those? Um, well, I was glad that they gave me time to take a nap. Right, right. Exactly. Very good. Yeah, I could make a sandwich. Um, uh, there, there's one thing in, in Microsoft's uh, stuff. Actually, there are two things. I wrote in my notes. Um, now I'm going off my photographic memory, which doesn't exist. But I wrote in my notes. Um, you remember that they would interject their demos with um, cuts to celebrities talking about how they like games? Yes, I do. Um, do you remember the guys from Silicon Valley? I've never seen Silicon Valley. Is that who those guys were? Okay. I think uh, I know who you're talking right about. Looking uh, nerdy guy and uh, an Indian guy next to him. And I forget both. Oh, Kumail Nanjiani is in Silicon yeah, Valley. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Thomas Middleditch is in Silicon Valley. Uh, if that's his name. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, so that's who. They were. No, I was thinking of another couple of actors who were talking, but I didn't know that Kumail Nanjiani was a Silicon Valley fella. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe you can also pronounce this. What's the game he mentioned? I L two. Oh, so it's Thomas Middleditch that mentioned that. It's a it's a flight yeah. sim called IL two Sturmovik. Um, right. Yeah. And so, so he he was really uh, enthusiastic about that game, and um, he turned to the to his co star and said, and the co star goes, uh, "The audience is going nuts right now." And a guy, probably a couple rows away from me, went, "No, we're not." <laughs> so That's the guy. Strange. So that means that the guy a couple rows away from you, he got the joke. Um, I think he thought he was doing one better. I thought he wanted to prove them wrong. No, I th- I'm uh, pretty sure Kumail Nanjiani was being facetious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, he guy, was, yeah. yeah. But, but the guy didn't get that, and it was great. So I, I never made it known, but the reason I like going to these events is because sometimes people yell stuff out, and, and other times they react in ways that you'll never see unless you're there, and there were a few of those. Um, I, think someone, I think someone yelled, yeah, when... Any time that the number 1080p was mentioned. Uh, so there's... Oh, see, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So just for him, across the room, he was really enthusiastic about numbers. Some people... Lines. That. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about... Um, let's see. So Battlefield Hardline, you mentioned before. There is some single player there. I thought that looked a little... Uh, here's a question for you, Aaron Vaughn. So mm-hmm. one of the main 
appeals, at least for me, one of the main things that appeals to me about Payday is that it's a co-op game and you're fighting against a lot of bots. It's kind of a horde mode variation. Um, I couldn't tell if that's what was going on in Battlefield Hardline or if they're relying, as as they have traditionally with the Battlefield games, on it mm-hmm. being only multiplayer, on populating the server only with players. Do you have a sense for whether or not there was any kind of bot hoardy stuff going on, or were all the cops players and all the robbers were players? Okay, I think I have some answers for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to clear some things up. There are these uh, people called cops, mm-hmm. and other people called robbers. Mm-hmm. And you will play as one of them. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. Since it's a fully populated 32 player uh, heist mission, it doesn't seem like there's any reason to have. Bots. Okay, well, tell that to Titanfall, first of all. Mm, but, of all, is there any are... reason to shoot a bot to uh, harvest them in a Battlefield game? Well, no, well, what, well so Titanfall's only, I think, at, at most 8 versus 8. The, the bots are good at creating a, a sense of activity. Um, and and uh... they, I don't know if you saw this, but um, in their, in their uh, demo, I feel like I saw some people getting arrested, and I'm pretty sure I saw some NPC characters running around for effect. Like uh, civilians. No, you did not see civilians. Because uh, maybe you did, in which case, good. Maybe because that was one of the things I thought was weird, is we're supposed to be in... De- like, one of the, uh, I, the... The model for these games, and Payday makes no bones about this is what inspired it, is the shootout in the Michael Mann movie Heat. And mm-hmm. one of the things that makes that so compelling, and this is in Payday, it's a, it's a significant part of Payday, is the chaos of having bystanders involved in a crazy shootout like that. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're bystanders in payday. They're, they're kind of actually a, a resource in a way. Um, and and it's, it's part of the chaos of the scene in Heat. Um, I did not see, because I was looking for it, it really looked to me like Los Angeles had been evacuated before this heist in the Battlefield Hardline demo. Because I was looking did. for that. Yeah, I was wondering, well, where's all the chaos of the, the, the pedestrians and the people who were affected by all of this? Uh, and they, I they did it. have um, a lot of empty cars sitting around in the road, yeah, and you can't get in them, which is really irritating. Oh wait, right, why am I they saying do show, you can't get in them? Well, they because do show you tr- driving. Wait, so, I'm sorry, say again. I played a little bit of Battlefield Hardline. Right, because they let you guys afterwards. They're like, "Hey, come on up to the roof of the skyscraper and play, or come into this room over here." All right, so uh, you. Actually- I wish. The roof. They had um. It was they had all these little banquet tables um, set set around uh, a stage, and then all along one of the uh, the walls, uh, they had these curtains draped so that they're inconspicuous because um, EA is flashy. Any press thing is flashy, and at the at the end of it, I think they even showed a, a shot of them drawing the curtains aside, and well, we have sixty four stations for you to come over here and play. Uh, oh, which not really many people stuck around for. They all went to Ubisoft, so thank goodness we weren't invited. Um, but I hopped over there. I played uh, Three Lives, which I think constitutes a taste mm-hmm. of the game. Um, I was a thief or a, a robber, I guess. We were all chasing a briefcase, um, and so I was going to support my fellow heist uh, personnel. Mm-hmm. I died immediately. On the first try, um, someone shot me as I was running up some stairs. Uh, the second time, I actually spawned inside a car, which you can do. I, I don't play Battlefield, so um, I'm kind of a uh, fresh-faced in all of this. Mm-hmm. 
but it didn't feel like Battlefield to me. It actually felt like a more fast-paced payday somehow. Um, I actually thought it really captured heat. I thought it was like heat cranked up to what a video game would realize it as since they have an infinite amount of resources. You know, they can destroy anything. Um, they don't have to hire a bunch of actors. They don't have to go reshoot anything. It's their environment. So, uh, it, I don't know. It was fun. Um, in, I have a question. In Battlefield, when you hit someone with a car, do you bounce back? No. <laughs> no. They, no? They bounce back. It goes right over them, right? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely... Uh, okay. It's deadly, yeah. Because when I hit someone with a four-door sedan, uh, I got bounced off of them. And it wasn't... It wasn't like I hit a wall, but it was a right. little bit of. Um, well, you're right. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's an early version, so they're you know you're going to run into weird physics glitches. I like this actually. I thought that seemed realistic. <laughs> oh, oh I see. Like as if I see. Like as if there was some like it, rather than the person just vanishing, as if he had mass or some impact on the direction yeah. of the car. You're saying, oh, okay, good, good. Yeah, oh, that is good. I, I liked it. And I hope that was. The I hope that was the case. Um, so there's a there's a great game, a game I adore called State of Decay about this zombie apocalypse, and there's driving in it. And when you hit mm -hmm. zombies, pretty much your car just instantly just passes through them, and the zombies die, and there's a gore effect, and it's gratifying. But the way they represent that you can't just freely run over zombies is that after you hit a certain number of them, it basically just damages and then destroys your car. But I do like mm -hmm. this idea of the fact that, you know, when you hit a uh, – I've never hit a deer, but when you hit a deer when you're driving – That'll, that'll F up your car. Yeah. Um, so if you hit a person, because a person can be the size of a deer, uh, you know, it, 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 this whole idea that they just vanish instantly, I like that. that's very cool, Aaron, that it sounds like they're creating more of a physical interplay between yeah. obstacles. Well, like well, we can only hope, because, I don't know. It, it added something for me, because it took me by surprise, and then I, I realized that I liked it. Um, well, that is... Uh, that, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, there's something about the scale of how they did Los Angeles. You know how... Um, if you play, uh, boy, I, I'm going to try and do an analogy off the top of my head here, so anyone listening can just start cringing now. Um, but if you think about any kind of game where you're playing on a, a massive scale and they have to render a city, it's a very basic kind of city sometimes. Um, I guess if you think about the first Grand Theft Auto 3, then the more uh, sophisticated our technology gets, the cities become, they become more ingrained in reality. Like, they feel larger. They feel like a, there's a scale there. Um, somehow they capture the size of the buildings, I feel like Assassin's Creed kind of looks this way too now. Like, you, you're looking at these buildings that actually look large, and they make the character look small, instead of Assassin's Creed 1, where somehow the, the building still seems small, even though it was to scale. No, I absolutely um, know what you're talking about. If you consider the width of an actual road versus the width of the road in an average open-world game, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes... Yeah. No, there's no compare. They've been shrunk down to a ridiculous degree uh, because real estate is... A, it, a, it, it comes at a different cost in an open-world game. So yeah. I absolutely know what you're talking about, and that's one of the things that I do feel DICE is very good at with their Battlefield games. Yeah, and I felt like they really captured that with Los yeah. Angeles here. I felt, I felt like I was in an environment. Right. Um, I didn't feel like I was on, I didn't feel like I was in something that was scaled down. I actually felt like I had a whole block to go before uh, I could turn right, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, so <laughs> I felt like they, they had, they had a lot going on as far as the um, detail mm -hmm. of their environments. And, and so that, that actually really impressed me because I felt like, oh, I actually, you know, I had a sensation of like, oh, I'm on a freeway and if I jump, it could break my leg. Because <laughs> um, there are a lot of overpasses in a, in Los Angeles, um, and I jumped and didn't break my legs, but 
So the thing that concerns me then, and I, I hear you comparing it to payday, and that's awesome. I love hearing that. But I do think that a fundamental part of these kinds of shootouts and this whole concept of the criminals fighting the cops is this disparity in numbers. That you mm-hmm. can't have 32 criminals and 32 cops. Is yeah. that it's this idea that it's it's just four dudes. It's a small band of criminals. It's not like a battle line. It's it's, yeah. it's asymmetrical. The cops have the numbers and the firepower, and these these actually maybe the guys are better armed. Maybe it's like that bank robbery in North Hollywood from uh, whatever 10, 15 years ago. Um, <laughs> but but there's there's asymmetry, and the cops are this force that can constantly reinforce themselves. They're not going to run out. But the bad guys. There's only so many of them, uh, yeah. and that's one of the reasons that I think the fact that there are bots in Payday is a huge part of that game's identity, is they're constantly throwing more cops at you, and I just wonder if this is going to be a straight-up you know, 64 people fighting on a server, you know, 32 cops, 32 criminals or whatever, what is that going to do to that standard cops versus a handful of robbers feel? And I don't know. Yeah, especially if they're all chasing a briefcase with ten thousand dollars in it. <laughs> well, there is a mode in Battlefield like that where uh, I forget if it's a bomb or something, but there are definitely Dice has done a good job with the Battlefield games of of forcing players rather than just running around capturing points and bypassing each other, forcing them into conflict. And one of the modes they have is everybody in the server is after this one thing. Uh, you know, there's yeah. two teams, but it's insane to just see. 32, how many, 64 people all fighting for a briefcase or whatever the equivalent of that is. Yeah. I, I will give credit to them for masterfully cutting between the sides. Like, they, they made me think it demoed really well because the, the way that they cut around this uh, hot potato demo that they showed um, actually followed the chase of the briefcase, I think. And that made me think, oh, wow, this game actually has something going for it. I, I actually didn't care at all about Battlefield until... Uh, this afternoon, mm-hmm. um, and now it has my attention. So, how do you, how do you feel about were you won over by The Sims by all the brand new things that you could never do before that you can now do in The Sims Four? It's more realistic because when I'm having a bad day, everyone around me has a great day, um, and I do tend to, to irritate a lot of people quickly. So you identified so, with Chuck, the guy who read the bad poetry to Gladys. did. I don't have the tattoos, but I do have an overbearing personality. <laughs> and so I thought, personally, that it captured an essence in games that reflects how I feel about my life. Um, I think that EA has cameras in my house, and they're spying on me in order to understand um, exactly how frustrating the uh, human uh, something is. Wait, sounds, condition. Sounds <laughs> then like you don't need to play The Sims 4. Is it not your bad? No, I feel like I live, I feel like I live it. And I was right. sad to see a reality show based on me. All right. Uh, I like that. Um, actually, I wrote in my notes, uh, um, party where guy dies at the end. Best party ever. <laughs> <laughs> and do you, know, do you remember what killed him? Um, so he, someone, wait. Okay, so they went and summoned a girl who came in and livened up the party, and then he committed suicide? Wait. Nope. <laughs> He he laughed so hard he died. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder great, how she feels about that. Oh, that's a great gameplay mechanic. Imagine that you've leveled up your character and your character's just laughing at a joke, and whoa, it kills your character. That's awesome. Nice work, Sims Four. Your character's so funny, they kill other people. Uh, or, oh yeah, that's right. It could be yeah, death by laughing. It's like a Joker kind of a villain uh, thing. Yeah, could be that. Well, there we go. We just sold a bunch of people. Um, 
You you probably just uh, racked up at least um, two million in sales right there. We don't cross need promotion to. with WB. Yeah, we don't need to do, to give the Sims any help. They're going to do fine. That thing is a money machine. But here's my problem. I'm a I'm a Sims what do you fan. About it? Yeah, I I, I I think it's terrible. I, here's my problem. I'm a Sims fan. Yeah. I have been for a long time. One of the things that I really admire about the Sims games is how, with each iteration, I mean, they milk them as long as they're around, but with each significant iteration from the sims to the sims 2 to the sims 3 there have been major innovations that have changed things up quite a bit the first sims was a kind of cool aimless sandbox the second sims added a lot of awesome gameplay with this idea of life goals and you would have the little moodlet things the the, like daily goals you would get they just folded this great gameplay into the sandbox the Sims 3 then took it and put it in its open world, uh, and they adjusted some of the wonkiness in the previous game, where everybody lived in a shoebox in his or her own uh, time span. So they, they took this gameplay and they put it in an open world in The Sims 3. Now in The Sims 4, what they're adding is absolutely nothing. Like <laughs> Every Wait, single... No. They have no. area effect emotions. Every no, please. All of that is in The Sims Three. <laughs> the Sims Three, you can have these things called moodlets. You know, like when your Sim brushes his teeth, he has a cleanliness bonus that lasts for three hours. You know, if your mm-hmm. Sim is in a room with nice decor, uh, it automatically improves his his mood. Uh, if your Sim's favorite color is represented in the room, your Sim is in a better mood. So I I did I have not seen a single feature. I'm trying to think. Is this hyperbole? No, I don't think this is hyperbole. I have not seen a single feature in The Sims 4 that I didn't also see in The Sims 3. And I find that hugely disappointing. Because I don't need a new graphics engine for the same gameplay and the same concepts. The Sims 3 is still a very good game. And, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, why are they making a new Sims 4? I mean, obviously financial reasons. But yeah. there's nothing that I see there that makes me feel like it's worth adding a new number onto the end of it. Uh, we know graphics couldn't hurt. I think. I think. I, I think The Sims Three still looks pretty good. Yeah, but what about The Sims Four? I think it looks just as good as Sims Three. I don't know. Using me. I don't because I don't know. It's something about the animation that just wraps. Well, it's obviously I, running at sixty frames per second. I think that's what's going on there. Uh, well, I heard it was only at um, <laughs> nine hundred and one p per second. Well, well, we'll find out when it actually comes out. Um, I uh, it needs more Star Wars. Uh, yeah, I don't. Ew, gross. I. I so what do you think I, about I, that? <laughs> uh, about Dice doing a Battlefront? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Bring it. What, yeah. I, you know, I forgot my glasses, um, which I don't necessarily need, but I, that means that I wasn't there to be an expert on how um, how off the textures were in all the alpha footage they showed. But what do you think? How do you think it looked visually? The uh, the the Star Wars game? Yeah, I mean they they talked about how they went through all the trouble of making it uh, photorealistic. I think right. So the trouble that they went to, I like that they actually went and looked at practical effects rather than whatever CG got subbed in eventually. Um, I, you know, it, it's kind of I I my feeling about this whole idea of. Yeah, we went and we took pictures of the actual props. Or, yeah, we actually went to the Nürburgring. Is that how you say that? That that famous track in, in Germany? Yeah, we went to the ring and we took pictures of the track. Or, yeah, we actually visited Chicago and we photographed the city. I think all of that is just kind of like bullet point BS. Um, and also an excuse for the developers to go on a vacation in these different places. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, it looks fine. I mean, you know, Dice does good looking games, and they'll do a good looking Star Wars game. And who doesn't want to fly a snowspeeder around Hoth? So okay. uh, I don't care. God, Aaron, please. You know you do. <laughs> once it comes out, and once we're all tweeting about it or whatever, you're going to want to get in there and tie up the legs of an Adat. You know you are. I don't know. Somehow Star Wars stuff doesn't phase me ever since uh, Rogue Squadron. Hmm. Oh, that was one of the last good uh, battles of Hoth that you could do. Yeah. Here, here you go, Battlefront 2, uh, I think, full bot support. You could just load that thing up with bots and go to town. It was awesome. Mm. I loved that. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, and uh, of course, the, the, you know, that wasn't DICE, so now that DICE is doing it, they're, you know, DICE and bots don't generally get along real well, so I'm guessing yeah. we won't have any of that in Battlefront 3. Um, so we, we've actually mentioned a lot of... Uh, we. Uh, well, we've had some asides to the uh, the alpha and prototype stuff. What did you think of that? The alpha and prototype? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, with EA specifically, like they were very proud to show the developer side of things. Um, yeah, I don't. I, just, I I didn't really need it, and it just seemed like they had to put something up there. It almost felt there, and like they didn't have enough tangible titles to actually show material but although I, I am glad that I think the alternative is they could have like for instance forced Criterion to spend a month or however long doing an E3 demo and rather than do that for whatever this game is I don't even think it had a name that they're doing they said you know what we're just going to send a crew in you guys talk about it we'll show some rough alpha footage we'll put up plenty of disclaimers uh, and we're not going to do an elaborate dog and pony show for the for the press briefing and so I, I, I applaud that I guess because um, it did seem yeah, to me cool. so uh, tell me if you agree with this one of my takeaways from this is it seemed like we saw like the, the companies in general were having to reach much further into time to show stuff like we were seeing a lot of things that aren't going to come out into 2015 and furthermore some things that m- might even be delayed beyond maybe not beyond 2015 but like late 2015 um, and I don't recall, and maybe I'm just not remembering right, but I don't recall previous E3s being like that. It just seemed like they were having to really reach into the future more than they usually do. Is that just me? Um, I think I saw something that said it wasn't coming out until 2016. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was Sony's thing, though, um, but I don't know. I think, for, I don't know what, what it is, but I'm a little empathetic towards developers because I think they have to put up with a lot just to get something out the door. Um, so I thought it was kind of cool that that they got to to talk about at least that they got to to get uh, their word in. They got to get a word in, right? Which is cool instead of having someone stand there and tell you uh, the same thing you've heard over and over. Right. Which, in a way, we heard a lot of things over and over. But um, how did you feel about the situation with uh, historically, of course, uh, console systems are sold? partly based on exclusives. It's a big part of what they're showing. Uh, how did you feel about the overall exclusives situation for uh, uh, the PlayStation uh, 4 and the Xbox One? I wasn't paying attention. Did it, like, not for instance... To, not, not to your question, but to the... Exclu- <laughs> that's definitely <laughs> for me. Um, I, I think that's something for people to talk about on forums. It's not for me. I don't care. I'm not even sure if I'll notice. Um, 
Although, well, and, and that's the thing, this. I can't recall one specifically, except yeah, for... I don't, I don't believe yeah. this for a second, Aaron. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, do you have a next-gen console? I have every next-gen console. Oh, that's why you don't care. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I thought you were going to say you don't care because... I, I see, okay. So you're you're kind of, I wouldn't say a unique breed. You are, and, and I am as well, you're more of an enthusiast. I think for the people who actually drive sales numbers, it does matter because they're not going to, the average parent is not going to buy his or her 12-year-old an Xbox One and a PlayStation 4. A choice has to be made. A lot of times the child will make the choice. Uh, or maybe a college student can't afford both. Uh, or just a working stiff, you know. People have jobs. They can't spend $1,000 on systems. So I think a lot of people have to choose hey, one or the other. And, a, and the choice is, is so often driven by exclusives, of course. Um, and so that's why exclusives are a big selling point for these. You know, It's when these presentations, they want to really hit their exclusives. And my observation is it seems to me there are fewer meaningful exclusives being thrown out there at this point. It's harder for Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo's a completely different beast to secure exclusives. So we're seeing a lot of stuff that is on multiple platforms. You know, at one point during the Sony press briefing, I forget who it was, but one of the guys up there said something about, um, he called Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed Sony blockbusters. And I was oh. thinking, oh, brother, you wish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if I if I look at both of them, so the exclusives, I think, for the Xbox, let me just run down the list here. And you, you don't care because you've got both, so you'll be able to play any of these games. Well, I, I guess I also don't care because, um, not because I have both, but like, I don't know, at some point I'll have both. Even if I didn't now, at some point I'll own both, or I'll, if I really want it, I'll find a way. And that's their goal, you know. It, people are really going to want this, so they'll, they'll find a way to get to it. Um, but as far as DLC and and you know content here first um i feel like that's mostly what i, I heard about the dead rising exactly. 3 thing by the way uh i think that's cool i mean dead rising uh wait wasn't that just announced for steam by the way dead rising 3 yeah so that'll be out for the pc yeah. on uh i wonder if their dlc will also be on steam they're super extreme hyper mode fighting ex tournament arcade DX alpha beta thing. Did you the, see that? Uh, they accidentally released a press release that used the working title for the, the DLC in the release. So I got a press release about something for Dead Rising called Jumper. It's like, what? <laughs> and then shortly thereafter, they're like, oops, that's not what it's called. It's called Hyper Extension Prime Alpha Star. Yeah, and then they subbed in the name. Wow. Okay, so go on. Sorry. The, 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 yeah. here, the, here are my, I think, these are the exclusives for the Xbox. Uh, Forza Horizon 2, Sunset Overdrive, that harmonics dance thing. Uh, Fable Legends. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not going to count Project Spark. It's my I'm crossing that out. Uh, the Halo Shovelware, Phantom Dust, Scalebound, and Crackdown. These are the exclusives for Sony. Mm -hmm. The Order, Entwined, Mm -hmm. Little Big Planet 3, Bloodborne, Let It Die, Abzu, um, Uncharted 4, of course. Uh, mm -hmm. Is Metal Gear Solid 5? That's not exclusive anymore, is it? That's, that's multi-platform. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, Last of Us, but that's remastered. 
What else? That cartoon hey, doesn't is, count. Grand Theft Auto V isn't exclusive, is it? That's what I wondered film. about, Aaron. That's what I wondered about, because you would think if they were announcing a next-gen version for the Xbox One as well, Microsoft would have mentioned that. Well, to be fair, Microsoft... Um, oh, wait. Uh, Microsoft didn't talk about Far Cry 4, did they? Um, no, because Ubisoft's thing opened with that. Actually, didn't... No, uh, let's see. Microsoft did not talk about Far Cry 4, but they did talk about... <laughs> Ubisoft. The, uh, Microsoft talked about The Division, Witcher 3, the Tomb Raider teaser, Call of Duty, mm-hmm. Dragon Age, and Evolve. None of those are... Uh, so what we're, like, it's obviously they have some third-party things that they both like to talk about and pretend... I can't help but think Grand Theft Auto V is huge. I can't help but think that if that's going to be multi-platform, it would be silly for Microsoft not to mention it, especially if they know that Sony is going to mention it. So I am drawing, and this is just an assumption. I'm sure this will be cleared up over the course of E3. But I am I'm making an assumption. I'm 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 deducing that Grand Theft Auto V is at this point exclusive for the PS4 that Sony must have thrown a bunch of money at Rockstar, or maybe Rockstar is just like, you know what, we don't care about Rockstar. We don't want to make this for the both of these systems. We want to design for the PlayStation 4. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but I found it hugely conspicuous that it was only mentioned in the Sony presser. Um, and as the, the owner of a PlayStation 4, I don't have an Xbox One. I couldn't be happier, by the way, because part of what I think playing Watch Dogs is, man, I, I wish I could play Grand Theft Auto V on this system. And it's like they heard me, and they announced today, well, you can. Huh. Uh, what excited but, you? Uh, wait, uh, yeah. Sorry, by the way, can you hear me? Because I was having a, like, a technical kerfuffle for about half a minute there. I can hear you, yes. You're coming through loud okay, and clear. Sorry. Yeah, so. Well, uh, if our recording's all screwed up, then I blame the Internet. Okay. You hear that, Internet? You're, you're on, we're pretty on notice. Uh, what um, stood out for you at the Sony press conference? What stood out for me? Um, oh, also, you forgot Drive Club. They didn't talk about it. I'm not the only one that forgot Drive Club, am I? Yeah. yeah. Drive Club is, uh, they showed it at a press event I was at a month or so ago. Uh, Drive Club is uh, forgettable. Hmm. Ah, that? I didn't pay too much attention to MotorStorm, so. Yeah. Uh, MotorStorm had its appeal, and I don't think any of that is in Drive Club. It, it really is kind of odd to me that these are the MotorStorm developers, and they're now doing this relatively grounded kind of tech-oriented, uh, just straight-up circuit racing thing. Um, and mm. you know, with Microsoft having Forza Horizon 2, an open-world game in the works, and with Ubisoft having the crew, and I'm so psyched about the crew, by the way, uh, having the yeah. crew in the works, I, uh, you know, Drive Club just looks kind of like a, a little sad little brother tagging along. Yeah, I guess so. I think it's pretty. <laughs> oh well, you know, but what driving game isn't though? I mean, that's that's the big um, for any driving game. Forza Five. Uh, I actually have not played it. I don't have an Xbox One. Forza Five is not pretty. I don't know. I it doesn't stand out to me. Uh, maybe it's it doesn't have weather, and that means a lot to me in a driving game. Does it have a day? I want something different. I don't. I don't think so. I think it's just a sunny day. Huh. Okay. Well, as a guy who lives in L.A., I can understand how that can become oppressive. Hmm, yeah. Well, as a guy who lives in the Bay Area, we're learning. Yeah, it can always be sunny. It's miserable. Um, Okay, so, Sony, do you just want to sort of dance back and forth between that and Ubisoft, then? Uh, 
Uh, well, let's sort of wrap it up a bit. So what? Let's see. So Ubisoft, we've mentioned. Uh, you don't care about Just Dance. That Assassin's Creed presentation was about twenty minutes too long. Yep. Um, it seems like their big bullet point is four-player co-op, which I don't think it needs, and I don't. That's not something. You know, I'm happy in a Grand Theft Auto or a Watch Dogs or especially a Saints Row Four to have extra people in my open world wreaking havoc. But in a stealth, I'm going to sneak around and, and assassinate people. Game. You know, they mm-hmm. had that ballroom havoc. I was like, oh god, that's like somebody ruining your perfect kill. You're setting up a kill, and some Yahoo online jumps in. I just that seems like an odd thing. Assassin's Creed Black Flag had these huge sailing ships and these awesome naval battles and that was that selling point and now instead of these big ships I'm just going to get three other jokers running around in my game messing things up I kind of felt like no thanks I don't really want that yeah well they're doing the same thing with Far Cry 4 now it's co-op but it's yeah yeah. now it's co-op uh, uh, weaponized pachyderms oh yeah mm-hmm. so. yeah I, yeah, nothing really stood out for me, I guess, for the, with Ubisoft, by the way. Um, the Rainbow oh, the Division, Six game. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, the Division had a cool trailer. I like their time-lapse thing. I thought that was well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that game... I don't know what's special about that game yet. Uh, but, yeah, the... I do recall mm-hmm. not being entirely sure what the difference was between the Division and Watch Dogs last year. And I'm still, having played a lot of Watch Dogs, I'm still not entirely sure. I think it's supposed to be graphics. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Uh, the uh, that little time lapse trailer that you mentioned, uh, which was kind of cool. Uh, I definitely got the sense that they're wanting to to take a bite of the Last of Us pie, as far yeah. as that feel too. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, that's fresh ground for cul- cultivating. Um. Yeah. Actually, Rainbow Six. That's it, right? It's not Ghost Recon, it's Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six Siege. Ghost Recon is now a free-to-play game, I'm afraid. Oh, yeah. They did not mention, I don't believe. So you, you mentioned Payday being like a, a, a small group versus a, a large group, but this, this is kind of cool because it was reminding you of how many people were is still in the mix. Um, and it seemed like they were pairing each other down to two teams. I think it started out with ten altogether, two teams of five. Very counter-strikey, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, it doesn't. Say, yeah, it, it doesn't. I, yeah, it doesn't feel like a what I recall Rainbow Six being. It doesn't feel like that, mm-hmm. uh, as far as I remember. Because Rainbow Six to me was this counterterrorism thing where you meticulously plan what your dudes are going to do, or you at least in Rainbow Six Vegas, you're carefully moving them around. It wasn't this counter strike. My five guys try to kill your five guys, or, or my, me and my four buddies try to kill you and your four buddies. Uh, and whoever's yeah. last man standing wins. I did like what looked like some of the hostage dynamics they were playing with. Where now this guy is, this team has the hostage, and they've got her. And uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, how'd you feel about Valiant? Yeah, I, they. Um, I'd like to see a hostage going. I'm afraid we are losing you. Oh no! No, no there you are. You're uh, back. Okay, so you'd oh. like to see a hostage do what now? Uh, go nuts. Oh, yeah, like, like a hostage freak out. and Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Why aren't we managing her? She just seems to be happy with whoever she's with. Uh, that also is a very Counter-Strike thing. I seem to recall you could just grab the hostage and he would tag along with you. And, uh, yeah, they were, uh, yeah, easy to manage. Yeah. Um, their, their tactics thing, I know, you, I know what Rainbow Six originally was. It seems like they're trying to, uh, harken back to that, but they're only interested in doing it for a couple minutes instead of, uh. Right actually planning something. Valiant Hearts, I'm kind of not faced by it. I don't know enough about it, though. 
Why do you hate? Why do you hate that cute little dog? <sighs> I mean, I'm not a dog person. <laughs> okay. Didn't a dog die in a game recently? Uh, they killed a cat in uh, what was the game where somebody? Oh, the the that Magicka game, that Paradox. Oh. I don't know why. Why is Paradox putting this on the PlayStation Four? Or whatever. I, actually, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> but that that little Magicka commercial, they they blew up a cat. Yeah, I liked that. That but that's true to their uh, spirit of the game. Right. Right. Um. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Valiant Hearts doesn't. I don't even know what that game is. Yeah, well, I did like the fact that it was about war. It was kind of funny how somber the presentation got. Aisha Tyler yeah. is a comic. She, 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 you know, she's pretty irreverent. She definitely got all somber and respectful because they were going to bring up World War One. And I don't recall anyone doing that for, say, World War Two, which should be a more recent sore subject. You know, World War Two, you can be all rah rah, but she got all, you know, like as if this was something very important. I think it has to do with the tone of the game, though. To be fair. Um, well, she was laughing and crying at the same time after Rainbow Six. Oh my God! Yeah, that was a little overwrought. I thought. I mean, I, I was like, "What? Really?" I, I guess I don't know. I, was that genuine? Was she really that excited about the Rainbow Six? I'm nominating her for an Oscar. She should be, because if that wasn't, yeah, that, uh, yeah. Did um, anything that you saw today, by the way, make you that excited? Well, I thought I'd see the Last Guardian. <laughs> you wish. Didn't. Yeah. Uh, I do wish, but then again, I don't care. I just I wanted to see a crowd really lose their minds, and I, that would have done it. Right, right. Um, I I think actually, if there was something that I got really excited about today, um, I was really taken with the Magicka Two trailer. As oh. sad as that sounds, I because that game is funny to me. I have a I have some it has some sentimental value to me uh, due to who I played it with when I played it, and. Um, I just spent a lot of time uh, learning the hard way, and trial and error usually involved blowing up a lot of living creatures. Uh, so it was funny to me, um, and I, I really liked that trailer. Um, and it was nice to see that they're they're coming back with something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of it, except for the the Halo stuff, which I I don't know. Is there a way to desensitize yourself to nostalgia? Wisdom. <sighs> Uh, did the Uncharted 4 reveal do anything for you? Um, oh, that's a good question. See, I guess it didn't. Oh, you know what? Uh, no Man's Sky actually has my attention, but I'm really afraid it's just going to be fluff. And a lot of it. Just a lot of fluff. I uh, was constantly reminded as I was watching that trailer and all those ambitious things they're promising of Spore. Uh, mm. Just procedurally generating universes is never going to create something as interesting as what they showed in that trailer. And I think it's all smoke and mirrors. And, you know, bless their hearts, the, the little indie studio, the, you know, they're playing up this idea that it's just two guys. Uh, yep. and, and that's great that they're doing that. And I look forward to seeing what they're doing. But I do not think you can procedurally generate an entire universe and create the kind of cool set pieces that we saw there. If they can, great, by the way. I hope they've cracked the code. But I, they- I'm, I'm with you, Aaron. I don't... I don't think this No Man's Sky thing is really going to be uh, as I would impressive love, as it was. I would love to be wrong about that, by the way. Yeah. I would uh, I would be so thrilled if yeah. we hopped into that game and it became like it became a community project to map the universe right. uh, and to discover interesting things. And but what are they? Are they procedurally generating factions that hate each other and creatures? Are they procedurally generating the audio and textures? Uh, what can I kill? What can't I kill? Do I have an inventory system? Do I? Does my uh, 
ship run out of gas? Can I just be stranded in space and die, and then I have to reboot and start another character? Man, look at you. I know, Aaron Vaughn, you're asking the hard-hitting questions. Way to go. Nice. And why why aren't they... Like, I see ambition, and that's a dangerous thing to lean on. Um, Just ask Peter Molyneux. Exactly. Very good. You know Uh, what? Actually, I'm actually excited for the PlayStation TV. Um, What is that thing? It's a $100 router. Why do I need uh, a router? Okay, so Japan has this right now, and okay. they didn't really seem that interested in it, but Japan is not us. Um, and what it is, is it's a set-top console slash multimedia device. It sounds a lot like an Xbox One, huh? Or um, maybe a smaller PlayStation 4. This thing has a Vita slot, so it can play Vita carts. Um, but my Vita can play self- Vita carts. Yes, it can. But can you enjoy... Uh, Persona 4, the Golden, <laughs> on your TV set right now. Hold on, let me think about that. Let's see, so I put it into... Oh, no, because I it's not... Is it downloadable? You, yeah. Well, okay, okay. so you have, no op, you have no HDMI output. So this kind of... Um, the, the PSP at one point got a TV out, so you could shoot your signal over Wait, to your television. Wait, I can't play... I can't do that with my Vita? I can't take a video... Like, I can't put Tearaway up on my main screen? What? Are you kidding? A piece of technology doesn't have every single feature it should on release? (laughs) Well, that's my feeling about the Vita, is the fact that... Because I'm new to this, by the way. The fact that I can play Watch Dogs for the PS4 on my Vita, that blows my mind. Why wouldn't it go the other way around? If I could play Watch Dogs on my PS4, on my Vita, a PS4 game, wouldn't it be just all that much easier? They just flip a switch somewhere for me to be able to play Tearaway on my big TV. And isn't that nice that you can do that? By the way, the the like remote play. Yes, yeah, so that's know. awesome. I'm awesome. such a fan of the remote play. Um, wait, you're telling me I have to buy this little uh, PS TV thing, and then if I do that, you. then I can play Tearaway on my television. No, no. Wait, wait. I thought you said you lied okay. to me. You said I could put. Persona 4 on my big TV. Didn't you say that? That's what I said. I never brought up Tearaway. That was, that's you putting words in my... Uh, you're trying to fill my shoes with words. What's the difference? <laughs> I know, that's gross. What's the, you're stepping on words. What's the difference uh, yeah. between uh, Persona 4 and Tearaway? Persona 4 doesn't use any of the Vita's touch screens. That's right. Okay, so how do you play games on the PlayStation TV? You play them with a DualShock 3 or DualShock 4 controller, and only one of those has a touchpad, and it's only on one side. It's not a screen, and it's on the front. Uh-huh. So when they said most Vita games are playable, they weren't kidding. Uh, there are going to be games, I think, like Gravity Rush and Tearaway that use uh, Vita features very well. And, um, oh, that's right, because there's a bunch of touchscreen, yeah. like tapping on this... Oh yeah. Oh man. Um, so there's some oh, games way to harsh my buzz. Yeah. Sorry. But uh, so this is backwards compatible with the PSP library and all the digital stuff that you could play on your Vita. Um, and it syncs with your PlayStation Network ID. The reason I'm excited for it is because I don't know about you with the little thumbsticks on the Vita sometimes I'm not that interested in using something that small. I'd really like to play Killzone with a full size controller. Right. I'm going yes. to play it. And I'm um, thinking the same way about Watch Dogs. Yeah, yeah, I get I get you hundred percent. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, um, something that small is very low-powered device, and that's, to me, that's interesting because it means I don't have to turn on a big console just to access Netflix. Um, and so, to me, this is a, a tiny little box that costs $100, and I can enjoy certain games. I can 
and this sounds silly because you can play Final Fantasy X under PlayStation 3, but I can play a full-sized RPG on my HDTV um, and then hop over to Netflix. It's, it basically has the Vita's operating system, but without being the Vita. Right, um, right. So it's like an Apple TV, but with games. Why didn't they uh, hire you to get up there and explain all that stuff? I don't know. Nobody wants to hire me. This is a known fact. <laughs> um, I am excited about it because, to me, it's it's a cheap and cost-effective means of... It's a streaming box for me. Like, it's for streaming media. And then with the bonus that I can play a lot of Vita games uh, mm-hmm. and, and even PSP games. Uh, how did you feel about the order? Were you fighting uh, the werewolf zombie thing? You know what? I talked to you previously. We just had a quick aside about the order, and I think you're right. I forgot what I said. What did I say? Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't, right. Yeah, yeah, that, that was my subtext. I'm not sure that that was the actual thing I said, but yeah. Well, and it, to be fair, you said more like, <laughs> it was several. But um, it, I don't know, like, it, okay, so when they started showing the order, I actually was really happy with where I got to sit at the Sony E3 thing, because there's this woman behind me who had a lot of input. Um they started showing the order, and she goes, "Is that a? It's is it Uncharted?" <laughs> um, which I thought was so ridiculous, but none of us knew Uncharted Four was going to be there. Uh, anyways, I don't understand what the order is, and it doesn't look special. It just kind of looks like a shooter. Corridor shooter, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that too. I guess it looks pretty. Um, and and then I just got done saying a light drive club because that looks pretty, but it's vapid. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's not for me, I guess. What did you think? You got to see some more of it that's different, or is that something you'd seen before? Um, no, I'd never seen... I don't think they'd really showed you what the enemies were. Uh, and I'm always all for having more zombies, and this seemed like a zombie crossed with a werewolf, and that's fine. I love the idea of alternate history, but yeah, it's just a corridor shooter, and I just have no interest in that. And they've got terrible little QTEs, and... Um, yeah, I, I'm not that interested in the order. Well, and it's a developer. To... The developer, by the way, their background is mainly porting things to the PSP or Vita for Sony. So yeah. this is their first like full scale project, I think. They are technically strong, so I wouldn't expect a game that's necessarily inventive, but I would expect something. It's kind of like Killzone, like it's really pretty, but. Ah. Um, Good, yeah. A friend of mine once said that, that Guerrilla Games is kind of like a bunch of Mormons who are technologically proficient but don't know how to handle a story. Um, that's probably ready at dawn. Uh, that's beautiful. You should, def- you should definitely steal that. That's well. That's well done. I like that your friend said that. Well, I just did, and I'm not gonna, I didn't credit him. So <laughs> maybe I said it, and I just wanted to see how it floated. I floated it to you. And you liked it, so it's mine now. Aaron um, Vaughn, now I- you can. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, just to, according to Sony, you're not the only person really interested in zombie stuff. They had a lot of letters that asked for zombie games. Oh, I want zombie games. Remember that? Saying, yeah, yeah, I know. They had, uh, yeah, they, I love yeah. the Would fan you art. Bed Island too? You bet. Yeah, of course. I love I love what Techland is doing. By the way, I'm uh, yeah. I'm an unabashed fan of their approach. Uh, yeah, so I definitely I loved that trailer. Um, I yeah, I, whatever Techland yeah, wants to do. Yep, I like their Call of Juarez game. That's them, right? That last Call of Juarez is Techland. Uh, uh, yeah. Whatever Dying Light is going to be, sign me up for that. Yeah. Um, uh, yep. So, uh, Grim Fandango. You can play that now on your PlayStation Four. I don't care. All right. Why do you hate Tim Schafer? Um, I, I was well, really hoping. It was, I... Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> it's not so much that I hate Tim Schafer. It's just that I hate. 
I hate everything he stands for and who he <laughs> is and his physical embodiment. Poor Tim Schafer. I was really hoping. I wasn't hoping. I knew this would never happen. But when they when you knew that it was going to be a Tim Schafer project, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be just this is a pipe dream, but I'll dream until they say what it is. I'm going to sit here and imagine that it's Brutal Legend remastered for the PlayStation 4. Oh, okay. Sell me on Brutal Legend. I bought it for $1.50. I never opened it. It's one of the best open world games you will ever play, with the caveat that you have to not hate the RTS that's in there, which is a very, very good RTS, which is inspired by a game called Sacrifice, which is one of the most brilliant RTSs of all time. So it is a, one of the best open world games you'll ever play, but it's not just an open world game. It has these RTS sequences and fantastic RTS multiplayer, but huh. not the usual drag select tanks and send them to the enemy. Uh, it's more of a sacrifice approach where you mm. get down in amongst this army of weird things and you help them fight. Um, I think somehow for me, Psychonauts was my one true love. And then after that game was over, I could never... I, I don't know. I want Psychonauts 2. Now, if they said Psychonauts 2, I would have been... I would have probably stood up and turned to the girl behind me and went, oh, duh, duh, is it? Uh, and then I would have showed her Brutal Legend and she would have asked me if it was um, Grim Fandango. Well, you get Grim Fandango instead. <sighs> I, I, um, I played a little bit of Full Throttle when I was a kid. Do you feel <laughs> old? Uh, I was, uh, well, yeah, but that's got nothing to do with Full Throttle. <laughs> um, I, so here's the thing, Grim Fandango, great, fine, I just don't really, I'm not an adventure game guy. I love Tim yeah. Schafer's imagination, but, uh, you know, I want some kind of crazy RPG thing like Costume Quest, or I don't really want to click on dialogue trees and do inventory puzzles, and, yeah. uh, so, you know, God bless him. Let's hope that uh, Grim Fandango makes a whole lot more Tim Schafer fans so he can do more clever stuff. But Grim yeah. Fandango and Full Throttle are not my bag when it comes to gameplay interaction. Uh, I think there's something about Double Fun that's not resonating with me anymore. I feel like they're trying to be too radical with their dialogue and their stories. Not as in, not that invention is a bad thing, but I just feel like they're almost they're almost a little too indie hip somehow. Okay, fair uh, enough. I mean, they're yeah, doing a lot of different kinds of things, though, so, you know, yeah. one of them is bound to hit with you sooner or later. Well, I really, I, I played most of Costume Quest, uh, Game Breaking Bug stopped me from completing it. I played um, Trenched, back when it was called Trenched, and uh, I, that, that, the game was fine, but I just, something about the writing, it seems like it's forced somehow, um, even though they have a lot of uh, clever ideas at hand. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't remember any of the writing entrenched. I remember the game, but I don't. I guess they would have little dudes talking every now and then. Right. I, I think I'm thinking more of the item descriptions, probably. You read those? Uh. <laughs> hey, um, you know what I was thinking is uh, when we were being shown Far Cry Four. Do you remember uh, Hitman Absolution, whatever the last one was? I actually didn't play that one with the sexy nuns. <laughs> Uh, I think so. I played some of it. I found out that I don't like Hitman games, but it had some of the best NPC dialogue writing ever. Hmm. And it, it was so well-placed. Um, right off the bat, you're scaling a wall outside a building, and the building is cliffside, of course. Uh, and you come across, like, your first guard, and he's on the phone with the doctor, and he's like, wait, you're telling me the cancer, the tumor is... Uh, it's not malignant. Oh, this is great news. And it just so happens that that's his day to be pulled out the window and <laughs> thrown out aside by you. And so the timing of all their dialogue was amazing. Right. Um, I, I felt like Far Cry 4 could really use that, by the way. 
Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, any kind of I, so as any much game as, really, or any Ubis, Ubisoft game, especially. Like, they, I really wish that they would figure out the importance of, of good writing and, and narr- just narrative in general. Their, their yeah. narrative gets so weak because Assassin's Creed's games are so, from a game design perspective, ambitious and effective and even Far Cry 3, but just Ubisoft's narratives just consistently collapse. Um, and I, I hate that. It's, it's such a, way, a missed opportunity. Um, yeah. Um, Alright, let's, uh, let's round up the Sony uh, presentation. Yeah. How about... Um, Abzu. Uh, I, I don't know. What is that? Did, did we see a, that? It's it's Journey, but in water. Oh, did they give that a name? That was the giant squid thing. Yeah, exactly. Giant squid, okay. not the name of the game. The name of the developer. Uh-huh. I was hoping the de- the game would be called Giant Squid. No such luck. The game is called. Let me check again. Abzu. Okay. What are we doing it? Well, it's like Journey. You just go somewhere and and oh. see things. Okay, last year at Microsoft's thing, they showed a game called Rhyme, and I, I think it's spelled R-H-I-M-E. And the only reason I remember this is because I was just watching some E3 wrap-up stuff last week. Mm-hmm. Um, they were talking about what we might see. And I think that was a game... Uh, I don't even want to take a guess, but it was done by a studio who's done stuff like Journey, where you're sort of... Your one character and your adventure is through an environment, and you go look at things, and there's a lot of symbolism, probably, and who knows, maybe there's even a mission statement about some sort of social issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't get these games. Um, I really like Journey. Unlike you, I actually just enjoyed playing it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the gameplay mechanics were enough for me. And then on top of that, I thought it had a gorgeous soundtrack. So music, is it really hits home for me. Um, but... Something like Abzu, just, that doesn't phase me. The guy who made Limbo actually had a game at the Xbox thing. Oh, Inside, called, right. Inside. Yeah. I don't care. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. And the thing is, like, they it looks gorgeous, and sure, there's atmosphere there. I didn't like Limbo, and I'm not using that as a... That's not my barometer for how I feel about the next game this guy makes. My barometer is what I saw in the trailer, which is a character just kind of walking through a 2.5D environment, and the trailer was well cut. Congratulations to them. But the game, I feel like I'm going to want my hours of time back when I'm done with it, because whatever the point of it was is going to take too long. It's like you're always saying, like, this should be over in five minutes, there's a shark in the water. I feel like that kind of game. Like, they could have just shown me the end quickly, and uh, it would have been just as beautiful somehow. Uh, Limbo, I think, was like a three- or four-hour game, so you might get your wish. Uh, Oh, I I played Limbo, and I did not enjoy it. Okay. Uh, Yeah. um, um, Abzu, that went over my head, did it stick with you for some reason? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, well, I, you know, I, I love, so if a game like that, if it works or it doesn't, like, like Flower, I adored, uh, Journey, I didn't. And I don't know what it is, but sometimes these weird, arty, aimless uh, games work for me and sometimes they don't. I can articulate from game to game what it is I like about some of them, but you can never tell looking at it. I mean, something might happen early on and inside. It's a huge mm-hmm. emotionally resonant hook that works for me, and it makes me want to play the game and find out what happens to the dude, or it could just bounce off me completely. So, a game like Inside or Abzu, I don't know. You know what? You've, you've got a little bit of time to win me. Oh, Transistor, for instance. I adored Bastion. Transistor didn't work for me. Uh, so I, I can't tell, because I was totally psyched for Transistor because I liked Bastion. Uh, so not a huge fan of, of Journey, whatever the 
creative DNA feeds from Journey into Abzu. I don't know if that'll work for me or not. Curious to see it. Uh, I didn't get very far in Limbo. I didn't stick with it. I, in, interesting looking game, but I didn't even play it. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I games like that, that are. T- I kind of feel bad too, Aaron. Like, how do you demo something like that? If you're trying to do something that tells a story, or like, for instance, here's a great example Gone Home. I, mm-hmm. uh, Gone Home, I found hugely effective. I would, and, and partly because I didn't know anything about it. So if I'm Steve Gaynor and I'm making Gone Home and it's going to be on the Xbox or whatever and Microsoft says, hey, come on out give a presentation at E3, good Lord, what is he going to do? Uh, you walk out on stage and say, I'm an indie developer and I have right? three friends and we're all making this game and we hope you like it. Right, and if you do that, He's Aaron... going to win over the social uh, media right? immediately. Okay. And but not me. I'm going to be like, what? Why didn't you show me any of your game? And I will promptly forget about it. <laughs> well, you don't. Then that's on you for not checking Twitter. Come on. I good good point. Good point. <laughs> um, I actually uh, the infamous DLC. Did you notice that they're focusing on fetch? Fetch. Okay. Oh, I, is that I, the I, girl's I, name? Mm-hmm. The chick's name is Fetch in Second Son. Okay. Do you want five minutes or ten minutes to make fun of infamous? <laughs> I don't. I don't need any time to make fun of Infamous. I actually played some of that thing and impressed thing. Uh, okay. I. Uh, I. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have Second Son. I have no desire to play it after uh, uh, Brandon Kakowski Chanel, who's another podcaster mm-hmm. who writes for the site. He wrote a review that just convinced me. Well, there's one I don't need to play. Uh, and even playing it at a demo, I, like I've got a PS4 now. But if I want a good looking open world game, I'm plenty fine with Watch Dogs. Uh, so do you, do you feel that that's a correct assessment of Second Sign? Is there anything that I'm missing, Aaron Vaughn, that you should tell me about? I see you did this in less than a minute. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Well, I just think it's, I don't know. Fetch, I'd, I'd, really, the writing falls apart in Second Sign pretty quickly. It has a, a, a nice, strong opening. Um, I just think it's interesting that they're going to focus on one of the supporting cast and do a little backstory on her. Okay. Um, instead of just adding a superpower and uh, a new enemy to go kill. Didn't so, um, um, Infamous? Two, I, I don't know. Didn't Infamous Two get like some kind of vampire DLC where you play a vampire? Yeah, yeah. Was that, was that similar? Like, were they adding a new character? Or? Festival of Blood. Okay. Um, and I think that that was just. Uh, you remember how Red Dead Redemption decided that uh, it'd be fun to do a take on how we have so many zombie games. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that that was infamous doing sort of a zombie game. Just uh, what if everything's supernatural all of a sudden? Oh, um, as if it isn't already. Um, <laughs> no, there's, but, there's the, Aaron. There's science involved in this. Yeah, it's mm. totally science. There's no magic. I, infamous. There are physics involved in Little Big Planet Three. Yeah, mm. you can fly a bird, and you can blow on things, and you have a guy who can get tiny or heavy. Was it supposed to demo poorly? <laughs> oh, I felt so bad. Like the girl couldn't make the jump, and I'm sitting there watching that, thinking, "Well, there's a game I never want to play. I do not like yeah. games that make me make jumps like that." Uh, I did notice a lot of people are applauding things that I think are obvious. That's another trend for the press conferences. Um, so, and what I mean by that is, Little Big Planet Three, for instance, is porting over everything that users have created from the first two games mm-hmm. into their new engine. Well, that seems like a given to me. Am I wrong to think that? Should be easy to do. Part of what it says, yeah, is that there's just a lot of legacy, uh, not code, or I don't even know if I'm using the word correctly, but just a lot of carryover 
in the basic mm-hmm. systems that work. Um, uh, so they're telling us the same game. <laughs> I, yeah, but you can you can blow and you can fly and you can get heavy. I really like Media Molecule. Um, I like what they stand for, and I think Tearaway is brilliant. But Little Big Planet Three uh, is falling flat, and I don't think it's just because they're relying on all the past content users have created. I think it's that uh, they didn't have any. They didn't have one standout feature. I don't care about characters with new powers. Like, why do I need new powers? Right. It's a it's a cash cow for them. You know, they they put their heart into Tearaway, and they uh, make their paycheck off of Little Big Planet Three. I would have loved to tear away two on PlayStation Four. Oh, you and me both, Aaron Vaughn. What's wrong with them? And three-hour longer campaign, fifteen hours of tear away two. So actually, there's another one kind of like Gone Home. I it, I don't I don't I wouldn't want tear away to be longer. I, I like so? that it got to the point. I like that uh, you know there was just enough to make me curious and go back and replay some of the levels. But I I like that it was this short, relatively short, I mean, uh, this compact experience that got me where I was going. It's like watching a movie, Aaron Vaughn. You can get a lot out of a 90-minute movie. You don't need to stretch these gameplay experiences into 12 hours. Um, Well, I guess what I'm saying is I want them to make it worth 15 hours of my time. I don't care how long the campaign is. Tearaway, you mean? Uh, Yeah, Tearaway was a short game, but I know I went back and played a few more hours of it just to enjoy Mm -hmm. looking at things. I don't. I, I need Tearaway Two to be exactly as long as it should be. I, I think I can agree with that. Um, <laughs> what about Destiny? Do you, any idea? Uh, not familiar. Let's see. It sounds vaguely familiar. Is that, um, is that one of those shooter things? Are there? Are you are you fighting zombies in that one? Which one is Destiny? It's maybe. I think you're guided around by the thing from Halo. Oh, it's the, new, it's the Guilty Spark spinoff, isn't it? Yeah, it's the Guilty Spark <laughs> game. Um, I, don't, I don't get it. Destiny is kind of... That's like in October or something? Like, isn't that out soon? November. I feel oh, okay. like the so date is like November 11th some, for some reason. Okay, well, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I just... I, don't, I still... I mean, it's an MMO, right? No. What? Wait, I think it is. I think they have... There's like a bunch of leaked footage and alpha stuff leaked last week. No, I they think... Have like it, it may not be an MMO in the conventional sense of you run around an open world and do crafting, but I think you have a persistent character and you're getting new gear for your character and yeah. you're getting around and grouping and you're going on missions and um, maybe MMOs, action RPG maybe? I don't know what the right word well, is these days. I think it's, it's kind of, people say Borderlands, but you can only play with other, oh. two other people. So it's a three-party max. Oh yeah, okay, good. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, and, and I think Bungie knows their shooters better than... Box. Well, thinking that, yeah, Bungie did do uh, the Halos that I like, you know, reach an ODST. Uh, I, you know what? That's a fair point. It just looks like. And Halo 1, of course, right. It just, <laughs> and, and who can forget Marathon? Uh, it, it just looks, at this point, really of like this, this terrible. It's way before your time. <laughs> uh, it just looks like I. Yeah, I just don't have a strong enough sense for why I should play it over. Wildstar or Borderlands or even Diablo 3 as far as a game about collecting loot and improving my character. Um, well, maybe you'll find out in their open beta. Oh, right, right. Yeah, That's another thing, too, is all these... I don't, I don't know if you're the same way. I don't know if you've talked about this. All these things about... And now you can get into the beta for Hardline, for Battlefield Hardline. And yeah. People running off to do that, and I just... I, I'm in no hurry. You guys finished the game. I don't need to play it now. 
Finish yeah. putting your features in and making sure it's tuned correctly. I've got plenty well, of other order, things to do. The order alpha is downloadable now, and you can go access the um, directories for Mirror's Edge 2 to <laughs> look at their uh, <laughs> environment maps. And what else? Far Cry 4, I think um, you could watch them compose the soundtrack. <laughs> Very good. Uh, if if you're into the early access stuff, so you guys have fun with all of that. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't even. You know what? I feel stupid now because early. Yeah, the whole early access term didn't even hit me. I just thought, oh, they're like everyone's idea was, what if we just give it to him now, like Beyonce and her new album. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? That's a, okay. A... So I guess I have to. Um, okay, a little info dump here. Beyonce is a musician. She does R and B music, and she's well known for it. She released her album this year uh, without any forewarning. She just released it on oh, iTunes. That's awesome! Oh, no, no advertising or anything. And I'm not sure how it did, but I know that the the wave of um, sort of uh, discovery that the Twitter and Facebook had and, and websites just oh Beyonce has a new and then everyone thought it was so cool because it was very independent of her and very uh, reminiscent of how hip hop used to get out just it was just released it was just put on the streets and you listen to it and um people someone even posed the question i think uh online somewhere what if what if games did that what if they just released now and we saw that today um two games i think well entwined nobody wants to play what's the other one is there one where it matters dead rising three hyper excel fighter four oh that wasn't in that previously announced no and oh i didn't realize that okay so that was brand new, and Sneaky. they said, go get it. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, they, yeah, of course, all these beta things. But I, the, the idea of early access didn't hit me because people were also releasing full games right off the bat. Um, but that's an interesting parallel. I, I think that's me. Um, looks like it could be fun, but I just like the way that Bungie shooters play on consoles. That, and that's really how I should be thinking of it, is to quit worrying about what they're showing and just realize this is the next Bungie thing. And so that's a fair point. Yep. That's not a, uh, an exclusive for anyone, right? Like, they're, 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 they're handing that out. They're, they're, they're quick and they're fast and easy with uh, offering their favors to various systems, right? I'm pretty sure. Okay, so I think what's happening is, since Activision is publishing both, that Activision is telling people with Xboxes that Call of Duty is coming out, and they're telling people with PS4s that Destiny is coming out. <laughs> okay. Um, but they're both multi-platform, and uh, aren't you excited for a white PlayStation 4? What's the game that it comes with? I forgot what game they were playing with. Oh, that is Destiny, I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, because I have my shiny black one, and I'm happy. My, I even have a black Wii. I, I like everything being black in my little sound system now. I don't want to get any uh-huh. white hardware in there and mess up the aesthetic. I get it. Uh, well, I, go ahead. Well, I have a question. What I have here, and I wrote a question mark after it, what is Bloodborne? Okay, I was actually about to say Bloodborne. How about that? I don't remember that. Blood- okay, so Bloodborne is... Um, oh, From Software. It's From. Dark Souls, yeah. Yeah, yeah, From Software's game. I forget what the mech thing is they made. Armored Core. No. Yes. <laughs> How dare you know me. <laughs> I, no, I, I believe it's not Armored Core. Of course it is. You're going to make me look this up now. I'll Google it if you want. Uh, From Software did Armored Core. They did Demon Souls and Dark Souls. Uh, What else have they done? How do I think it's called something else? Because that was the Xbox 360 game nobody played, but everyone who played it thought it was the best thing ever. Right. Um, Yeah, I 
Oh, yeah. Their Dark Souls things are interesting. I don't. I, I haven't been able to actually find my comfort zone in. Oh, Chrome Hounds is what I'm thinking of. Oh, right, that was the one. Yeah, well, they did Armored Core, too. So the Chrome Hounds was the one that nobody played. I mean, if you think yes. nobody played Armored Core, I think there have been two or three Armored Cores. But Chrome Hounds just died. Uh, and I think it yeah. was... Someone strangled that in the crib. That was like a publisher uh, boner, I think. And they, sh- they shut down the servers so quickly on that. Sega, that was Sega, those jerks. The same people. Wasn't Sega the ones who uh, also screwed up that big controller one you were asking me about? Mech Battalion. Yeah, yep, yeah. Steel Battalion. I'm, well, Sega. if we're both wrong, then we'll hear about it from someone. Um, yeah, the so I think that the art direction in Bloodborne is off the chart. Mm-hmm. Creepy. And they even have some really great sounding sound direction. So obviously I, I pay more attention to production value than some people might. Um, but I think that they, they've nailed an aesthetic and it looks creepy. And I think it, it actually looks... Um, as if when you look at it with your eyes, it looks way better than any of the Dark Souls games. The animation's there, the art direction's there, um, it just looks dark and mysterious, and those are both words that I normally don't want to hear when someone's trying to pitch me a game, but I think they perfectly fit what Bloodborne showed us. Right. And so it has my attention, and it's unfortunately it's a 2015 game. So Is that a Sony exclusive? Yeah, I, well, mm, yeah. It's an exclusive to the PS4. Okay. I have I have a cheat sheet up, and they say yes, it's an exclusive to the PS4. Good for them. Good. That means I can play it. Honestly. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, how much do you care about that uh, that cartoon about power powers, whatever that's called, Brian Michael Bendis <laughs> thing? <clears throat> that gave me time to check my um, text messages. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, I don't. So, jeez, there was something going on with that that I thought was so silly. Um, Who's the executive producer? Oh, wait, okay. Hey, do you remember that they said uh, Ridley Scott was executive producing a Halo thing? Yes, that's right. The little Halo what? tie-in movie or whatever that was. Yeah, I think it's on on the disc, I forget. Um, so, I I don't know why, but I was immediately shot back to that, because they were talking about, oh, the guy who's someone who's uh, heading the Walking Dead show is involved with this, and that alone managed to stifle any interest I had, because I don't care about the Walking Dead show. All that was, yeah, all that was going on there, Aaron, was that he was name-dropping people who have other successful shows. And beyond that, I don't think... Uh, I, I mean, it was just this kind of ploy to show, hey, we're, we're legit. You know, these are credible people who work in TV. Because, you know, TV, that's, that's mm-hmm. serious stuff. You can throw anything up on Xbox Live or, or the, the PlayStation Network, but this is good mm-hmm. enough to be on TV because these are people who make TV who are helping us make this. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I can't imagine it'll have anything in common with Walking Dead uh, other than, you know, an employee. Uh, well, uh, I will say this. Is someone really selling a comic book series where it's the X-Files but with superheroes? Uh, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Okay. Uh, no, no, not to, not to you. I was listening to you. I wasn't listening to Brian Michael Bendis talk about his comic book. <laughs> That's what I got from it. Because he, he was talking about these two normal people who solve crimes that are superhero-centric, but they're normal people solving them. So yeah, them, immediately, You know what, I lied. I did listen a little bit. One of them is hiding that he formerly had power, or has power. Uh, was he hiding it, or is, is it that he's on the case because he used to be part of the mix? 
Um, yeah, okay, so I wasn't listening. <laughs> it's one of yeah, those. I, neither was I, because I don't know. Um, all I know is that it looks stupid. Is it live action? Well, it's no, it's a cartoon. Uh, it's funny oh, that it, uh, like, it's it's just Sony wanting to, desperately wanting to get into this game of, of content. Um, and Why don't they just strike a deal with Netflix and do it there? Well, no, no, I mean, they're doing, they're trying to do things, they want to control it entirely, and you see, by the way, it's funny, you didn't used to see this, the Spider-Man movies now open with a Sony logo. Hmm. And they're because they're wanting their name on content, and and everybody's doing it. You know, Amazon.com has original content now, a series that they're putting out, and it's just it's it's part of the game. Is you know, you control the delivery system, you control content on it, you get all the money from it, uh, and so this is just their attempt. Doesn't work for me because I don't care about this comic book. Um, yeah, well, and, but that's their job. Their job is to make you care. And why are they doing me, that? No, no, I'm way out of their demographic. They're trying to get. <laughs> people who will go see all the Marvel movies or whatever. You know what? I think if the Avengers can win you over, anyone can do it. That is true. I am looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy quite a bit. So. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Oh, by uh, the way, um, yes. uh, did you hear when they talked about No Man's Sky, they referenced that they were inspired by Asimov for that? Oh, the, yeah, like he rattled off the normal sci-fi authors, but didn't he say it was the covers of the novels that inspired I- I think that's what I heard. I think he said book covers, and then he rattled off some names. Because I just got done listening um, to a a recent podcast where you're talking, uh, I think with Bruce Garrick, about how things are inspired by Blade Runner, but not they're not actually drawing anything from Blade Runner except for an aesthetic, maybe. Right. Um, So I thought you might take issue with that. Well, I I would normally, but those for me, those those old sci-fi book covers are so evocative, and 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 that you can see some of that in the visuals for No Man's Sky. Um, There's a terrible movie called. Who played Napoleon Dynamite? I always confuse these names. John John Hedder? John Heater. John Hedder. Okay, so Jared Hess is the guy who directed Napoleon Dynamite. And he made a movie called, oh, not Buffalo Soldiers, Bronco Gentlemen. Gentlemen Broncos. Gentlemen Broncos. Right. Something like that. It, it's two words that don't go together. But it's about this kid who, he's kind of a Napoleon Dynamite-style kid, and he's writing science fiction. And Sam Rockwell mm-hmm. is his, his hero. He is this imaginary science fiction character from novels that he imagines. And it's kind of a stand-in for his father, whatever. But it's about this era of science fiction. And it opens with one of my favorite credit scenes of all times. And it's this, this series of sci-fi novel covers and it'll say, you know, starring so-and-so, starring Sam Rockwell, edited by, directed by Jared Hess. And they're all mock-ups of these cool sci-fi novel covers from that time period. So whereas normally I might kind of sneer at that, there was some mm-hmm. seriously evocative artwork that was getting slapped onto novels back in the day. And I don't know if that still happens today, but, but you know, when he says that, the, the sci-fi novels of Heinlein and, and Asimov and whoever else he mentioned, when he when he cites specifically the covers of the novels, that works for me, I think. I think it's funny, some... everything, all the planets kind of just look the same, but with a different color scheme. Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. And there's I grass, there's rocks, and trees. <laughs> and I think it's more, it's just this general trippiness, like this kind yeah. of weird, this alien quality, this mixture of alien and familiar, and, and you look at those novels, and you're like, whoa, that's that's kind of weird, what's going to happen there? And it makes you want to read the book, or, whoa, look at that spaceship, who would fly that? And it makes you want to read the book, or, holy cats, that, look at that monster attacking that guy, that weird alien, I want to find out what the deal is with that, and you read the book. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, they were definitely fuel for your imagination when you were yeah. reading it, too. It really helps set what that world should look like. So, yeah, if it's just the covers, then good for them. 
Um, so, uh, Aaron Vaughn, I want to know what the rest of your week is going to be like. Tell me a little bit about what you're planning to see, what you're looking forward to. Uh, maybe do you have any predictions or anything? Hmm. I predict that I will probably take a nap each day. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I guess I'll put out a PSA. I have a little bit of a head cold before the show somehow. So anyone who sees me, just wave hi. Don't try and shake my hand. Or, or bring um, along some uh, hand sanitizer if you're going to shake. Uh, I'm, I'm being very precautionary about that. I'm making sure that anyone who touches my hands, they'll be freshly sanitized. I'm snorting the stuff, um, mixing it into my drinks. Good. So I can yeah, bring we'll... you some uh, surgical gloves in case those okay. you can run around wearing those. You'll be fine. Yeah, um, at any time. Um, I'm going to see The Witcher 3 tomorrow. You uh, must be excited really about that. Brilliant. I am, yeah. Um, you're slated for it, too, and you're still welcome to tag along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, let's see here. I think I'm penciled in for Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, a half-hour presentation. Aren't you excited to hear about this? Is <laughs> I actually am. <laughs> I mean, I, trailer, I, by the way. I, I couldn't believe how terrible that trailer was. I didn't understand what they were trying to do. Well, it, for me, it captured perfectly the experience of playing a Metal Gear Solid game. A lot of cutscene, right. and I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Um, it is... It, you know what? It is impressive that one person is behind all of this, somehow. What do you mean? Oh, oh as far uh, as it being Kojima's... Hideo Kojima, like, yeah. Right, 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 right. Apparently, he writes, directs, produces. I Maybe he's got clones and little copies of himself running around. I can't imagine doing that. Um... I think I'm going to stop by Sega to see Alien Isolation. Um, I don't... A lot of these things, I have no idea what's happening with them. Uh, and, and when I say that, I mean I have no idea at all. I didn't even know some of this stuff existed because I try to stay in the dark um, up until someone's ready to show me something, and apparently E3 is the time for that. And so they might bring you into a room and just show you a concept art. I'm really afraid that I'm going to get a booth tour, actually, and I don't want to see that. <laughs> booth tours are the worst. I don't like if if you've never been to E3, if you've never been, uh, if you've never had a booth tour, then you're lucky because when you go there and you have a booth tour, you realize you just got suckered into walking around and looking at something you probably would have skipped. Um, it's, oh, the worst is when yeah, the worst is when you get this mandatory booth tour where there's a handler and she will or he will will bring you to uh, a display and say, okay, here's this game, look at this. Uh, and then they leave and you think, oh, good, I'm off the hook as soon as this is yeah. over. And then they come back right before it. It's like they had they plan out the timing. and like, okay, you saw that, now come over and see this. And they you're there for like an hour and you've seen six things that you don't give a, a, a rat's ass about. I'm sorry, a cuss. Yeah. That you don't care I'm one whit for. <laughs> uh, they did so, that to me last year, so... Those are traps, yeah. I've been very picky about... Um, although I think I... <laughs> actually, I think I have a booth tour scheduled with Atlas. So, if you don't know, uh, Atlas has three Persona 4 games at the conference. Tom, I have a quick question. Sir? Where where would people recognize me from if they went to quarter3.com? It took you 17 years to play uh-huh. Persona 2. Okay. I might have the numbers, uh, they, they might need some slight adjustment, uh, but you wrote about that experience at quarter to three. Uh, people, uh, what are you talking about? Aaron Vaughn is not exactly a common name. It is. Um, we're we're going to get on a little trip here. Um, the Cards Against Humanity. Uh, I have a self-titled card for Cards Against Humanity mm-hmm. because I bought their holiday thing last year and they gave everyone a card with their own name on it. If you go look my name up on Google, you're going to find... Uh, I think a military officer, 
or a Marine or something. His name is Aaron Vaughn, and he died. He died in battle. Very tragic. Uh, his whole family's there. He's. It, it was a news piece. It was a big story, whatever happened. Um, obviously, I don't remember it, but I know it's out there. And so people are going to be uh, using this card with my name on it in some very uh, vicious ways. And they may ask, who's this Aaron Vaughn guy? I want to go find out. They're picking on some poor guy who was deceased in action. So it is not necessarily an uncommon name, but it definitely is specific to one person, according to the Internet. And it's not me. Okay, Unless well, you search Persona 4. And then, then you come up. Okay, so that, that's good to know. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and you're right. Uh, eight and a half years to finish a third game or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm, I'm very excited about Persona. Uh, that, that series is dear to me. And I asked them where Persona 5 is, and they told me, hey, we've got three great Persona 4 games, so why don't you just uh, hold your horses? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go see those guys. Um, and that can be fun. There's a fighting game. Uh, a 3DS game that's an actual RPG, and then a dancing all night thing, which is like a rhythm game. Um, I, I would, if I, I actually know that you are correct, but if you had told me that, I wouldn't believe you. I would, I would think you were trying. <laughs> well, it's there. It's in a press release somewhere. Um, I'm gonna go see Beyond Earth. I think they still have some openings for that. I don't know anything about it. Um, I'm not an expert on civilization, but. The idea of something beyond Earth sounds good. <laughs> that that could apply to pretty much any game set in space, though. That title. See, I knew that if I was invited to speak openly, that at some point I'd make myself look like a moron, and I just did. Although, <laughs> you, it's, no, not it's not your fault that that they named it that. <laughs> I mean, what what's it supposed to be? Do you know anything about it so that I can walk in and look like an expert? Uh, let's see. Do I know anything about it? I, you know, what? I'm afraid I kind of don't, Aaron. Um. Well, it's not uh, – so they did a game, and I say they. Uh, Sid Meier puts his name on those games because it's part of their branding, and it's not that he's a vain man. It's not an American McGee kind of move. Uh, it, although even then, I don't mean to cast any aspersions on him. A lot of times a name gets put there as branding. So Sid Meier, they, the studio for Axis, made a game called Alpha Centauri, which everybody knows as Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri, and I'm sure mm-hmm. Sid Meier had some input into it, but this was really the brainchild, and it showed, of a fellow named Brian Reynolds. So when I refer to it, I like to call it Brian Reynolds' Alpha Centauri, because I think that <laughs> it deserves that, and I kind of suspect that Sid Meier wouldn't even disagree with me. He would be probably like, you know what, Tom? Fair point. Um, so... They are, for Axis, having now basically plumbed history, all that they care to, they are going into science fiction. So it is their science fiction version of the Civilization V game concepts, and it is the spiritual heir to Alpha Centauri, but I don't mm-hmm. think they can call it that, because I think Alpha Centauri is basically the, the name, uh, oh, that's got to be public domain. Well, I was going to say, I think the the rights for that are, are hopelessly tangled up. Um, so this is basically Civ Five as a science fiction game. Um, they call it duty, right? What? They're out of history, so now they have to go forward in the future. Make oh, it. Uh, well, it's either that or go back to to ancient history when elves and orcs roamed the land. Either uh, sci-fi or fantasy. And it, well, then it would be, uh, we have a couple of these. We have uh, Age of Wonders. We have a game called Warlock. We have Dominions. Uh, mm-hmm. Broke, uh, not Broken Age. What's that thing called? Broken Earth, Edor, whatever. There, there are already plenty of fantasy turn-based games. So um, they're just, you know, Sphere X is taking their turn at, uh, at sci-fi. 
And well, I'll be real curious what you think of that. Yeah, because that's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's Thursday for me, so that's end of week. Um, Techland wants to see me for a, a demo. Um, and then uh, I, EA has me booked for a couple hours, although after today's conference, I may <laughs> just call in sick. Um, uh, Aaron Vaughn, we have brought you to this EA booth to sit you down and have you watch this 30-minute video of the studio at Criterion. Uh, this mm-hmm. is just footage of them working at their workstations. So this is a 30-minute presentation of Criterion's next game. It's not titled yet, so we're glad you've come by the booth. Sit here and watch this. We'll come back in 30 minutes, and then we're going to take you over to this video of people at Maxis working at their workstations. Uh, as long as they they can show me an hour of them spinning around the faith model for Mirror's Edge and I'll be happy (laughs) oh yeah there you go okay very good Um, that's nap time that I have scheduled good Uh, let's see here and then Ubisoft uh, at some point they have a two hour presentation as well Um, you know what I'm not going to see is Evolve Um, entirely who would be showing uh, that that would be at Microsoft okay Oh, oh uh, great. No, okay, of course. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't have uh, any space for that, so why should I care about that game? People talk about it. That's I like, don't know. A lot of people like Left 4 Dead. They know what they're talking about, Aaron Vaughn. Oh, yeah, that's right. I also don't care about Borderlands, um, so I'm not going to see that. No, but it's, it's the pre-sequel. Pre- no, yeah, yeah, it's the pre-sequel. Come on. I heard the, the technical term is interquel. I don't think that's a word, but okay. It is a word. It's the correct word, even. Interqual. Yeah. Okay, let's say you have a movie, and then there's a prequel to the movie. Uh Uh-huh. Now, let's say you've made a sequel to the prequel that is not yet up to the point of the original movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't that what this is? Uh, yes, and that's called an interqual. I, I refuse to believe that's a word. I think I'm, you know what. I hate to out English you on your own. <laughs> I already know a lot of words. I hate to have to learn new ones, Aaron. Okay. It's really a burden. <laughs> well, I don't appreciate your animosity, no matter how much you <laughs> don't I'd be like, obstinate. I, I like I, I'd like to characterize it as just flat out enmity. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Aaron, you will be back, and we'll be talking about what you've seen uh, after the show. So, uh, good luck. Don't get uh, get okay. Uh, plenty of rest, plenty of fluids, and mm-hmm. um, I guess you can't play Watch Dogs. Uh, what what gaming system did you bring with you from Oakland? Uh, several. I brought my the Vita, the 3DS, and I have my computer with me. Okay. Is the phone a gaming console? I have that. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay. I'll, I'll play the Safari internet browser. Uh yeah okay well if that's what you if that's what you need to do, uh just keep yourself well uh and we'll uh we'll be back to talk some more after E3 where basically you'll be briefing me because I will not be able to contribute anything but uh I'll have plenty of questions for you so sure. uh, folks listening uh join us for that that will be later this week uh next week I don't hate to do this because I love these so much if you're into video games. You might hate what I'm about to tell you, but next week we have uh, one of my favorite board game designers. This guy is not necessarily a well-known fella, but he does some stuff, some stuff that I really, really like. And he sat down with me and Bruce Garrick and, and talked with us for a while about some of his games. Um, so we're, we're doing some analog gaming after E3. So join us for that next week. I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Aaron Vaughn, and we'll see everyone here in probably in just a few days. Play Yakety Suck. That one right there? Yeah. Oh, they hit the spot.
And by the way, to be clear, I don't mean this is a commentary on you. This is a commentary on E3. Uh, Star Wars? 